What's up, everybody? I just wanted to jump in ahead of the episode real quick to kind of explain what you're about to hear um, and why the episode was a day late. Obviously, we've said a hundred times over the course of the show that Mitch and I are not editors, we are not producers, we are not engineers. Everything that we know about recording and producing, we have taught ourselves. I actually don't think we do such a bad job on it, but there are bumps along the along the road of teaching yourself how to do something. So, obviously, you can tell by the title that we had Frank on this week's episode. As a guest, we wanted to see how that would work out. And I think the episode went really well from, from our perspective. Um, the issue was, and what we knew going into it, is whenever we add new equipment, whenever we add a new microphone and a new setup and all the all the stuff that goes into pro- to making it sound the way it does from week to week, we knew that there would be something that we weren't expecting to have happen. And, of course, there was. And the actual condenser recording, the, the microphone recordings of the uh, episode, I can't really use them because there's too much of an issue with those tracks. So what I did it was a little bit of surgery on the episode, and I pulled the sound from the Facebook Live segments, doctored it up, made it sound as, as well as I can for a live bit, but that is A, why the episode was a day late on release this week, and B, it was why it's going to probably sound a little bit like you're in a fishbowl again this week. I do think that we have figured out the problem moving forward, um, so I'm hoping the next time that we have a guest on that we won't that we won't run into this again, but I'm sure there's something else that we haven't thought of in our in our future, so... You know, we kind of take it in stride and, and do what we can with it. But anyway, that's kind of why the ep- this episode isn't going to be up to the quality standards I like to put out. Um, but it is what it is. So anyway, with that, that's enough of a, of a disclaimer. And uh, let's go ahead and get into the show now. North Korea best not make any more threats to the United States. They will be met with fire and fury like the world has never seen. He has been very threatening uh, beyond a normal statement. And as I said, they will be met with fire, fury, and frankly, power, the likes of which this world has never seen before. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to The Devil's Advocate, where we talk about news and current events. I'm your host, Brandon Condit. And I'm also your host, Mitchell Hernandez. Our goal at The Devil's Advocate is to provoke thought by introducing viewpoints and information that isn't readily available in the mainstream media. It's in truth a conversation where an independent liberal, like myself, and an independent conservative, like myself, can share different viewpoints without the typical disdain for one another we see all too often in politics. So with that... Let's get started. Tonight, a new threat from North Korea coming in, saying they will be ready to attack the U.S. territory of Guam by mid-August. This comes as President Trump's warning shot fired directly at Pyongyang tonight is sending shockwaves around the world. 
But ABC News has learned that threat caught some in the president's own inner circle by surprise. The president in that statement using language not vetted or pre-approved by his national security team. Sources close to the president say behind closed doors with top aides, including new chief of staff General John Kelly, President Trump had discussed taking a tougher tone on Pyongyang. But even members of his own national security team had no idea the president would go so far. Within a few hours, North Korea responding with its own warning, saying it is seriously considering a plan to target Guam with missiles. The U.S. territory, home to crucial military bases and 160,000 Americans, is just 2,000 miles away. Then today, Rex Tillerson sending a message of his own, landing in Guam, offering very different words. I think Americans should sleep well at night. The Secretary of State striking a much softer tone. What the president was doing is sending a strong message to North Korea in language that Kim Jong-un would understand because he doesn't seem to understand diplomatic language. Then the president himself weighed in, tweeting, our nuclear arsenal is now far stronger and more powerful than ever before. Hopefully we will never have to use this power. But his initial words have sparked international reaction. All right, and we are back. That's right, episode um, 24. Episode 24. It is Sunday. Um, what is the date today? 10? 11? 12? 13? 13. 13. <laughs> there we go. Almost right. Right. Yeah, well, you know, you know the time frame we're looking at. So, um, so anyway, uh, we're we're here again doing doing the the weekly shindig, and we actually added uh, a a new member here for this week. Um, I actually talked about Frank a little bit in last week's episode. He's our he's our third man here, um, and we figured uh, this week would be a. Uh, Good, as good a time as any to get get Frank on the record and scrutinize him for all his results. So. I've heard the term co-conspirator. <laughs> right. So, um, so Frank Everhart is going to be uh, joining us on this episode. Um, we're going to go ahead. Well, I guess if you want, you can tell us a little bit about yourself, Frank. Uh, my name is Frank. That's really <laughs> That's it. Yeah, that's, I'm not really comfortable putting out more information. <laughs> right. Talk to you, bro. right. So, so there's that. And now that we have his bio, um, we'll go ahead and jump into North Korea to start off this week. Obviously, yeah. the, it wasn't news to anybody what the the opening sound bites were going to be to this right. to this episode. Um, there are some there are some other big stories this week in, in the news. There's a lot of big stories this week. Yeah, later on in the show we'll go into um, the violence in was it Char- Charlottesville, Charlottesville, Virginia, Virginia um, over the the white supremacist rally and and, and whatnot and, and that story. We'll break that down. Um, we'll also go into later on into the Paul Manafort raid and. Um, what else do we have in there? We'll, we'll, we'll go into some crime statistics that we've been talking about actually for for quite a quite a yeah, few weeks. Yeah, the three-year anniversary of Michael Brown and all of that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we should uh, probably finish up with a little bit of some some Google scandal. So um, that's kind of the that's kind of the plan for the show. But first, like I said, we'll go ahead and get started here in just a second with North Korea. Um, right. So we'll probably start off with a little bit of a timeline of. Of what's what's going on and how how we got to how we got to what feels like the brink of 
nuclear war. I don't know if that's actually accurate yet. Um, if it's going to start, this might but, be how it was going to start. <laughs> yeah, so. But we'll go, ahead, we'll go ahead and break this down a little bit. I got an article here from CBS News, um, and it basically breaks down the timeline of nu North Korea's nuclear um, program. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go ahead and get this one started. I'll then pass it off to you, and we're going to we're going to kind of try to break down the timeline, um, and then we will uh, discuss. So um, TBS says recent U.S. tensions with North Korea are leaving Americans uneasy as President Trump threatens to meet North Korea with a uh, North Korean. I'm sorry, plans to meet North Koreans' aggression with fire and fury. Um, and North Korea lays out a plan to launch missiles near Guam. Um, Mr. Trump has found that negotiating with North Korea and its unpredictable leader, Kim Jong-un, isn't as easy as he perhaps thought. Um, he has, Trump has been pressuring China, which has economic leverage over North Korea and, and borders that country, um, but that has left him disappointed. Um, and, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I Even don't, Trump can't spin that into a positive. Right. right. As uh, the U.S. and North Korea exchange threats, Trump likely has tough choices in his near future. But how do you handle the North Korean crisis? Um, let's see. The U.S. has a complicated, decades-long history of attempting to halt North Korean nuclear aggression dating back to the 80s. Time and again, the U.S. has aided other countries, and the United Nations has attempted to make deals with North Korea to, to suspend or dismantle its nuclear weapons program. Time and again, North Korea has found a way to skirt or violate any agreement, slowly continuing the development of its program. So um, now we'll go ahead and we'll jump into a brief timeline of of kind of you know the the way that this has gone and you know we've we've done a segment I don't know how many months ago it was probably a month ago maybe two months ago um, on North Korea period we did we did a bit on North Korea and the history and right. know, what their end goal is so we're gonna try to skip over we'll refer you back to that episode for the kind of history lesson of the Hermit Kingdom, um, but we'll just quickly go through the important points on the nuclear program timeline. So I'll okay. hand that off to you. So obviously this has been going on for a long time. Um, really I've decided just to kind of look from 2003 and kind of forward, since that kind of brings it into where it's at now right. with the current leaders of the regime. So in 2003, in January, North Korea officially withdraws from the NTP, the Six Party Talks, uh, that expanded beyond the U.S. and North Korea to include China, South Korea, Japan, and Russia. So as a result of the six-party talks, North Korea then agrees in a joint statement to abandon its nuclear program in exchange for aid, a guarantee of U.S. security and talks for normalizing relationships with the U.S. But the U.S. later freezes North Korea assets in a bank at Macau on suspicion of illicit activities, which clearly was the case. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously they were continuing to, uh, to, to do this without uh, the authorization. So then it breaks down the whole talks. We go to 2006, where North Korea tests long-range missiles, prompting the United Nations Security Council to issue a resolution to suspend North Korea's nuclear program. That doesn't work either, as the North Koreans say it's testing its first successful nuclear weapon. This is way back 11 years ago. Then, 2007, North Korea again... This was, this was under Kim Jong-un's father. Right. Um, Kim, Kim Jong-il? Yes. yes. 
North Korea again agrees to dismantle its nuclear weapon facilities at six-party talks in September, but misses the deadline to destroy all the nuclear weapon facilities by the end of the year. 2008, the six-party talk, uh, six talks break down after North Korea refuses to allow international inspectors into its facilities. This sounds a little bit familiar if we're thinking about the Iranian deal or the Iran deal for the nuclears, where they said you're not allowed to come in, but trust us, we're doing it. So then, 2009, the U.S. Security Council imposes new sanctions after North Korea announces it conducted a second successful nuclear test. Maybe don't tell us about it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> right. Refuse to let us into your facilities. Right. <laughs> but totally, yeah. <laughs> 2011, U.S. officials meet with North Korea delegation in Switzerland in efforts to pick up the talks from 2008. Uh, 2012, now, the State Department says North Korea has agreed to halt long-range missile launches and activity in the country's major nuclear facility in exchange for food aid. This is a recurring theme here, where the North Koreans have a hard time feeding their people. Right. And a lot of it has to do with the sanctions and whatnot. So they'll, they'll say, hey, we're not doing that anymore, give us some food. We do, and they totally nothing are, changes. Yeah, nothing right. changes at all. Uh, 2013, the UN imposes additional sanctions from North Korea uh, after North Korea conducts a third nuclear test. The first test under uh, the new leader, Kim Jong-un, who is currently the leader at this time. Now we pop all the way to 2016. In March, then-President Barack Obama issues an executive order imposing further economic sanctions on North Korea in response to missile launches and a nuclear test earlier in July. And so that brings us to where we're at now, where, once again, they are conducting more uh, tests. Obviously, mm -hmm. they've given up on the whole... Are you sure? Because I think some of those are earthquakes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just earthquakes. No big deal. But yeah, and so now the, Korea has an earthquake in the in the in the middle of the sea. Yeah, that's <laughs> weird. They're always right in the middle of the sea, right, no right in deal. between Korea and Japan. So the the idea has been that from the United States that we can stop this through sanctions, that we can work with them. They're gonna well, and it's been the it idea of the entire world that yeah. we can. Well, stop yeah, the UN and, and the United States have really been the ones who, that are pushing kind of, in. Yeah, well, but they've been pushing it for thirty years too. Like yeah. this is not a like eighty five is when they figured out about it, and then right. you can't do that. And we've spent thirty years being like, <laughs> okay, we won't do it. Well, this time it'll it. be different, right? Yeah. So they've basically been working up towards this point, but now they've hit the point. The whole goal for North Korea was we're going to have intercontinental ballistic missiles, and we're going to be able to strike anyone at any time that we want. Now we've been trying to stop them; that hasn't worked. So now, and even whenever Barack Obama left office and Trump came into office, he said, as he was leaving, he said, you know, what's the biggest thing that Trump's going to have to deal with? And he said, North Korea. It's yeah. going to have to be solved on his watch. Yeah. There's no other way to look at it. So now we're to where we're at now. Now is, you know, antagonizing them the correct choice? Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if meeting crazy with further crazy is going to work. <laughs> right. Right. I, I think the... So I look at this a couple ways, um, especially based on the rhetoric over the last what, week and a half, week, week and a half. Yeah. Um, so when Trump initially came out and said that, um, you know, if North Korea, first of all, he, the, the statement itself, as we just played, is that if they threaten, right. they will be met with fire and fury. Well, they've been and, threatening for a long time. Yeah, but threaten, threat, like, to say that if they threaten, that's the red line. That's a dumb. Th that's a dumb red line. Yeah, they, 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 well, they, they, yeah, they passed <laughs> it <laughs> right, they, years ago. They, well, and they right. passed it four hours after he said it. Right. Like, like hey, we're gonna attack Guam. So the I, so I think that the the wording could have been chosen better. Yeah. Um, so I have mixed feelings though because you know we when, when we did this bit the last time we talked about 
And you and I came to the to an agreement at the end of that segment, if I remember correctly, that like, yeah, sanctions are probably what's going to happen, but is that really going to solve? Like, no. we've seen what sanctions do, and we're still having the same problem. So here's my take on Trump's rhetoric initially. I have a different take as the week goes on. Yeah. But initially, when he came out and said, fire and fury, whatever, um... You have to look at it both ways, right? Like, we've tried the other approach. We've tried the diplomatic approach. And the diplomatic approach keeps getting us back into the same boat every single time. Right. Um, they say they're doing it and they're not. They so I think that Rex Tillerson had a point when he said, like, we're going to talk on this guy's terms. If this, if these are the types of statements that you make. that So maybe that's good, maybe that's bad. But it's an approach that we haven't tried before. So for yeah. that, I, would, I wasn't as upset about Donald Trump's initial comment on it. Um, and, but as the days went on and it basically <laughs> became a dare to yeah. shoot missiles at Guam, I don't think that that's, I don't, that's where I would have stopped. Like I would have stopped with the fire and fury comment mm. and been like, okay, I, I said my piece. Now I don't have to show the world how big my hands are because I have 7,000 <laughs> nuclear warheads. I don't yeah. have to remind people that I've got a big stick. Yeah. yeah. Well, they so, in the United States, even during Barack Obama, routinely did this, where they would fly jets by if, if you know they're getting a little too close up to it to kind of do a show of force and say, "We can take you out if we need to." Well, I don't understand what Donald Trump is. He was a big uh, person against don't let them know what we're doing, and so when he comes out and says, "Well, we're getting everything set up, we're doing all that," why are you saying that? Which is exactly where I come from. Cause I, I like I actually agree with him that we should be like we should, like besides sanctions, we should be harsher on North Korea. Yeah. I just don't think the way to go about saying that is like off the cuff remarks that you have not talked yeah. to your generals about. Right. And I then kind of a trend and I don't I don't really like it. Like I don't like that yeah. he keeps kind of And it's one thing to do it to politicians, to do it to generals and people who lead our military. Yeah. We have to keep them in the loop to some yeah. degree. Well, and, yeah. the, 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 and they should really be making the calls. Yeah, or at least yeah. having input into yeah. what's gonna be policy. Well, and the weird thing about that whole thing too is that like you have so you have this kind of like good cop, bad cop thing going on, right? Between Donald Trump and the generals and whatever. Typically, when you see a good cop, bad cop scenario on a geopolitical level, the president isn't the one saying it. Like, yeah, he's we the can good say, cop. <laughs> we, right, we can say whatever we want about how crazy Kim Jong-un is. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, though, if you look at what he's strategically doing, A, it makes sense for North Korea. Right. B, it, like, to, to a, me, it... Here's the, here's the difference between Donald Trump coming out and saying fire and fury and, you know, I, I, again, I didn't have a problem with that one. It was more as the week went on where he got, like, I figured after the fire and fury, the goal would be to de-escalate the right. conversation now. <laughs> and it seemed like the goal became to escalate it very right. quickly. And I feel like that makes me very uncomfortable. I, position where I don't know if de-escalation is the right choice because... I don't trust them. I mean, we've obviously gone through the details. I, they're not going to stop. Is it stop. even possible at this point, though? Because, yeah. yeah, they're not going to stop. So we either have to accept and, that or we have to do something intangible yeah. to stop them. And the reason they're doing it is because they want to be taken seriously. But, I mean, getting a new... I mean, that, they've pretty much been taken seriously yeah. now. They're and at the table. That's they're where... The big grown, the that's grown where the table. Is, I, you know, mind is at, is that the world's not going to take us seriously unless we can threaten them. And they're kind of right. Right. In this, no, they are. In this, because yeah. and now we have to deal with, do we want to do that? Do we want to go ahead and say, okay, North Korea, we will take you seriously. You get to come to the table. You can be part of the UN. You can be part of, of all these different programs. 
and you don't have to dismantle your nuclear weapons. I, I don't, which I don't want to do at all. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I'm also of the opinion, like, do we have the right to tell other countries they can't have what we have? Yeah. Which that is sort of hypocritical. And I, I think, though... They are crazy, but, you know, <laughs> but the leader, their leader is crazy. Hey, everyone's one election away from being crazy. And yeah. Anyone yes. can get voted in. But that's, I think that's kind of my point, though, if I'm going back to the good cop, bad cop scenario, with we in America think of... Jong-un and the regime is crazy. But there's a difference between the president coming out and saying fire and fury and Kim Jong-un sending one of his generals out to say we're going to make plans. Yeah. We're not that we're going to bomb the sea by Guam. We're going to make plans that have to get approved. That's wiggle room yeah. to have a, dip a diplomatic solution. That's why it was worded that way, which makes me very nervous when then Donald Trump's response to that is try it. No. Dude. <laughs> like you're like, well, to quote a great man, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me, can't get fooled again. I think it's a, once in Texas, I mean, California, I think it's in Texas, something. I don't trust them. So to, to, to me, a diplomatic solution really, in, in my opinion, is off the table because they're not going to follow through with it. They want their nuclear weapons. They're going to keep them. I think, though. The only way that you can do it is if you got to get China to come in and do something with it. They now they, they signed these sanctions. There was new sanctions that came out, but they're really not that harsh. Basically, what they do so, is it, it hampers North Korea's exports. Mm -hmm. It doesn't hamper their imports at all. So they can't export coal. They can't export uh, iron ore or iron, um, a few things like that. And it will hurt their their economy, no doubt. However. They still have their it, their weapons. Trade it's not going to hurt their economy enough to make a difference in what we're talking about. Yeah. In the, the standoff that's exactly. going on. Exactly, and it's not going to hurt their military at all. Which is, China really stands to benefit from both sides, so they're kind of wanting to take that middle ground yeah. of, like, we don't want to tilt the scale. China absolutely. likes having this buffer between America and themselves. So we have got all these military bases all throughout that South Asian, uh, South Asian Sea, and they're, what they're worried about is if we actually get into a confrontation with North Korea, first off, you're going to have a mass exodus of North Koreans coming in over the border into China to right. escape. So now they're going to have a refugee crisis that they don't want, they, they, they can't deal with. On top of that, if we come in and then the South Koreans basically take over all of North Korea, well, we are a big partner with South Korea, so now you've got American troops on the border of the Chinese country, and they don't want that either. So They like having that North Korean here's, buffer. Here's a question I want to pose, though, because I heard... I think it was two two generals. I've heard military people, if you haven't noticed, have been on TV talking all week. Um, well, that's what happens. And I think that, so I've heard multiple generals pose the question, what if North Korea has nukes? Is they there, definitely. no, that's fine. What if we just are okay with that? What does that do to North Korea? Is there a way that you can say, that you can settle with North Korea having nukes as long as the rhetoric goes away. We're not going to blow the United States off the map anymore. Yeah. You can have nukes. Now you've made them a player at the table because they made themselves a player at the right. table by getting nukes. Again, is, is that horrible yes. for everyone? And, I was, and I'll tell you why, because they've said it before. Like, basically what you're saying, it'd be different if, yes, other countries have nukes. Other countries don't say they're going to nuke us for the past 30 years. Except but, for Russia did. <laughs> <laughs> and they and they pointed missiles at us did. from a country right next to us, yeah. and we avoided nuclear war. And that's there good. is a way to avoid nuclear war here. Mm -hmm. There is a way to avoid confrontation, and it might simply be be okay 
with but, North Korea having nuclear weapons. But again, weapons. you're trusting them. But and, you'd have to have some guarantee that they are not... You have, we have no guarantee. Like, it, 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 I, don't, I don't believe that's the only issue they're stuck on. That, oh, they won't, the U.S. won't let us have nukes. That's why we hate them. I think there's yeah. a lot of issues <laughs> why we hate them stepping back from the war. Fucking their economy for the past... <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You probably didn't appreciate the MASH TV show. Either. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, we're staged in South Korea, and they don't want... like They yeah. don't believe that South Korea should exist. It should be right. Korea. Right, Period. that was what the Korean War Korea was Korea just, shout out to Dan. <laughs> um, so, to me, that's not an option, in my opinion. I don't think that, because A, again, we just went over a timeline just from the past you know, 11 years alone, where we basically have been like, okay, we're going to play ball with you. And at least five or six times they've been like, okay, sure, and then completely went the other way. I know, we well, can't trust and them. that's what, that's, that, I think that that's kind of... That's what we talked about when we covered it before. Is that like this is this endless game of right. we're gonna make. But here's what the, here's, they get that power? here's something though that I think needs to be really like carefully looked at. Right, Donald Trump got elected, and I'm not saying that Donald, like I don't. This has been a long time coming. So you're like we're not gonna yeah. put the blame on that on those shoulders. But here's what I will say. Donald Trump got elected. On the idea, this idea that he was a great negotiator, right? We have right. we have bad deals. We have bad deals in Paris. We have bad deals in Iran. We have bad, bad deal, bad deals. Like I'm going to make the greatest deals. They're going to be so great. Yep. Um, going to the nuclear option first <laughs> might not be the best negotiating. Well, tactic. I'll tell you what, because you're saying he's, he's supposed to be the great negotiator, making deals. He also got elected by not making bad deals and dumb, what he called stupid deals. And going to North Korea and being like, "All right, we trust you this time. You can have your nukes." To me, is a stupid deal. Yeah, don't I just don't know if it's a smarter deal to like ante up so quickly and be like, "Nuclear yeah, yeah, war that, is on the table." In my opinion, if we're going to get into it, we should get into it sooner rather than later because if it's going to happen, regardless. But your argument about the, about just to, not to deflect, but like the argument because I think it's contextually um, relevant. To don't hit me. why we to, <laughs> to why we saw to why we don't um, go to war with Russia because we're so weak and we don't have the like right. so well, Russia's why, not North Korea. Okay, they're different. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> so. But do we want to? Do we want to? War is going to cost money, right? All of your economic yeah. progress that Donald Trump is going to tout for until it goes away will yeah. go away the second that we go to war. Well, with we don't North know Korea. that for for sure. It's probably ask, ask George W. Bush. Yeah, well, I mean, well, certain, like I said, certain wars do make money, though. I mean, they make money for certain people. Yeah, but they right. are money makers. And George Bush's principal mistake was that you raise you don't cut taxes when you go to war. You raise taxes because you have to fund the war. Right. He yeah. cut taxes while raging the longest war in America. But then I, I feel like Trump would have this if he wants to do all this tax reform and cut taxes and then we'd suddenly have to go to war with North Korea and we're in the same <laughs> yeah we're in the same boat. <laughs> right. And then right. he loses that whole and the jobs haven't happens. come back yet. I mean it, it, we we were planning on doing a whole thing on the economy. We will do, probably do it next week or some mm -hmm. other week. It does look like jobs are coming back, but they're not back yet. Yeah, and right. we do need to have. I mean, we've had an eight-year uptake in jobs. We've been slowly yeah. gaining back. Well, we can, yeah, and that that whole thing, we're going to cover that too because Obama was really good at creating jobs, but he was really good at creating the jobs that liberals said weren't livable wages <laughs> and that didn't actually. Well, I don't know because I, I read a report that said that it's been estimated, and I don't know how reliable this is, that like forty-seven percent of them were higher-paying jobs. And well, when you guys get into that, I'll be yeah. interested. Yeah, we'll have to look at the exact numbers because yeah. I, I don't have it in front of me. So I'm more curious if more if Americans would even buy the because we've been taught for so many years that Kim, the Kim family is insane. Yeah, that they're unreliable as leaders. That if America would even go for some kind of like deal where you can keep your nukes and we'll just back off. I don't think that we. I, 
I think that we're going to have to. I think even certain liberals would be against that idea. I honestly think that's how this plays out. I think that that's dangerous. and I I think we need an Obama nuclear disarmament. I think that's the only thing that's going to be going forward is everyone's going to have to agree. Like, you can be a player at the table in North Korea, but we're all going to reduce our nukes to a reasonable. No, they're not. I mean, yeah, I I like the the rosy answers too, but we're not going to do that. No, No but I do think. Take it all away. I do think, and I may be totally wrong. Because nuclear weapons are power, especially in this this climate. I don't don't see us going to war with Korea. I I think that all We would have to have them start at first. And and that's kind of why you hear uh, Donald Trump saying. He doesn't sound that concerned with them attacking Guam because if they attack Guam, he's got. He, there it is. There is. You must defend yourself. Go get them. Right. And if you're under the right. impression that this is going to have to happen anyway, you're then, you know, it's kind of like one of those things where back in World War II days, we we're like, yeah, we're definitely not helping Britain. We're definitely not helping them, but we totally were. And then we get a Pearl Harbor, and then all right, well now we can go in and do it. Which yeah, it's one of those things. We've been setting this up for a while. What's and now, crazy is like just thinking about how this week has gone. Who knew that like nuclear war was going to be what got us to stop talking about <laughs> Russia. Good play, Donald. Right. <laughs> <laughs> See? So you do it. So, yeah, you just but, go to nuclear war. <laughs> Trump apparently isn't that worried about Guam. There's a quote uh, he had where he called the, um, the leader of Guam and said, uh, all over the world, uh, they're talking about Guam and they're making, they're talking about you. And I think tourism, I could say this, your tourism... You're going to go no. up like tenfold because, <laughs> because without of, any expenditure because of money. If there's, if there's nothing that attracts me to a tourist location, it's the threat of nuclear war. That's, I mean, have you been to Chernobyl, man? <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's yeah. a once in a lifetime opportunity. You get to get nuked yeah. by Kim Jong Un. Yeah, right. awesome. almost become the Hulk. Send a postcard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I, man, I don't know. I, I honestly think so. That, they're going to do that. They said within like the week they're going to shoot a missile. I don't. I bet it doesn't happen. That's my prediction. Now that's we'll supposed to, that's supposed to happen on Tuesday. Now, we'll so we're going to find out by the time that this episode drops and you're listening yeah. to it whether I was right or wrong. Now I've got um, a, a graphic uh, that we're going to drop in the links and everything so people can check them out. It's really good. But basically it shows the missile defense system, the THAAD defense system inside of South Korea mm-hmm. um, only can reach so far. So there's an idea now that with, uh, especially with the Scud missiles and these other missiles that they've got that aren't the best range, Mm -hmm. but they're extremely mobile. So they can go all up and down the coast of North Korea and attack these other places. But with this uh, intercontinental ballistic missile that they're going to be firing, it would be theoretically outside of the THAAD's defense range. And what they want to do is they want to shoot it over Japan, which is why Japan is saying, U.S., take care of it. Like Whatever you got to do, do it, because they're... There is a, a bad position. There is an argument that I've seen a lot of military people making this week that the, because these missiles have to leave the atmosphere and then re-enter the atmosphere, that the, that there is a high likelihood that that won't happen. They won't re-enter the atmosphere. Yeah, I'll take a look at that graphic again. I looked at the graphic. They're all successful. I also, Every testing was successful. No, it wasn't. And the I only also, one that wasn't was that Scud missile. That out was the of, only one. No, that graph shows that graph shows twenty three tests, and it shows that ten of them were successful. Yeah, but you're looking at um, back from led. five years ago when they didn't have the capabilities. Every every test, it, it actually puts a thing there that shows ever since, bruh, what's his name, Trump became president, every test has been successful since then. It also And says, that's also when they've been testing the intercontinental, intercontinental ballistic missiles. God, if I can say it right. Here's the thing that you and I debated... Um, let me see. Let me pull this up real quick. This shocked you, everybody. You and I debated over like whether or not because I had said to you earlier this week 
um, when we were talking on the phone that the the fuel supply might be something to worry about. Um, so in this, this uses a different type of fuel. It, it here's what yes. it says, and here's where I have an issue. I'm gonna I'm gonna play you on semantics here. Um, it says upgraded fuel. The engine shown above used liquid fuel system in which the stored fuel and oxidizer go. are pumped into a combustion chamber. It says analysts believe some new developmental models use a high-performance liquid fuel, which is more efficient than crude kerosene and nitric acid, right. which could not give them the range that they would, if they were using kerosene or crude oil, right. they could not get the range. The problem that I have with you taking that as fact is that everything else in the same article says experts agree, and this says, <laughs> Analysts believe. Mm -hmm. Well, I can find analysts that believe climate change isn't real too. Well, obviously. Um, yeah. But like so I said, we, we're seeing them test these. Methods. I can find so analysts that, that it, believe that there's nothing with yeah. Russia. To sit there and say yeah. that, well, yeah. it probably isn't true. Whenever they're actually testing them and they're being successful, successful. And also keep in mind that China made sure that whenever these new sanctions were imposed, yes, they signed off on them. Yes, Russia signed off on them. It doesn't at all affect imports into North Korea. And that's one thing that China's really big into importing into that country is fuel. On top of that, um, oh, I lost where I was going. But, <laughs> but, that's what happens with live radio. <laughs> it's not live when oh, yeah, you listen to it on the radio. I remember that, but China was very adamant about not hindering their fuel mm. uh, intake. So if your argument is that, hey, they don't have the fuel to do it, I would say we don't have the proof. I can't show you the pictures of all the fuel that right, they right, have. Right. Everything is pointing that they have more than right. Well, and they showed do. the graphic that you had just pulled up. They had showed on that that um, the the in right yeah the range the range a thousand miles right or a thousand meters. Um, so you're still looking though. You got to get ten thousand. Mm -hmm. meters to hit the U.S. mainland, right? I'm not saying that we don't have something to worry about here. We do. Yeah. Well, I just think I think that the way this plays out is we, we end up settling on North Korea to avoid war because we don't want a war. Yeah. Well, then you yeah, got I, I, mean, I really don't think they want a war either. I think they want to be taken seriously. I don't think their end goal... I, I think yeah. nuclear war is bad for them as it's bad for everybody. I, I don't know. And this is something that I've been talking to, to Brandon about quite a bit when it comes to what I think that if there was to be a war... Uh, we said that the players would probably be Russia, North Korea, China, and Syria. The, and this, he, is, this is what you got to think in mind. This is a hypothetical that I'm going into. And I know that I hate hypotheticals and all these. We, <laughs> I know, but I'm going to do it anyway. He just uses them all the time. No, no. On every episode. episode. <laughs> <laughs> Four times. <laughs> but we do know that China has been uh, investing heavily in EMP technology. So the, the idea behind this is, well, North Korea can't hit us because we have these satellite systems that would be able to take it down. Not if we get blasted with EMPs and then they shoot it. It's a coordinated attack, and they have the capabilities to it's take the main. It's a huge hypothetical, though, and you're you're putting the players on that team. Uh, you, well, China doesn't seem willing to, to pick two, our side. You put two but they players. don't seem real willing to pick their side either. Though. Right? They want yeah. they want to straddle that middle. Well, that's, that's why I get that wild card factor. We don't know. What yeah, and I almost think China is the least likely to want to go to war because they're poised to be the next world power, and I don't really think they want something well, to take out America. I, I think they. they I also, do well, it yeah, but it's, it's. I mean, people more or less agree it's going to happen anyway. You give it yeah. 30, 40 years. China's going to be a powerhouse. They own the solar, the, the whole solar industry. Yeah, and they're just investing so much into that. I also think too that you should keep in mind that Russia and China have never, when you put your players on your teams, right, you put Korea, Russia, and China on the same right. side, and you've explained why, and I understand that. There is something There is something to be said, though, about the fact that China and Russia never sign on to sanctions against 
North, North Korea. Korea. And they did. Yeah, I mean, so it's, it's, it's not cut and dry that they've picked the side that you've hypothetically put them on. Well, again, you want to... And this is, again, sticking with my hypothetical here, when it comes to war, you want to disarm the other side. You want them to think that that's not what you're doing. And if you look at the sanctions that they signed off on, again, it doesn't hurt North Korea's military. It just doesn't. It hurts their it hurts. It's, their it's more economy. symbolic than it is. Exactly. And so you say, oh, well, they're on our side. See? Look at that. But they went to pains to make sure they were still going to get the fuel that they would need if they were going to do an attack. And it doesn't hurt their military. Yeah, so, I just think that, like, because they're already poised to be a superpower, that a war is very unpredictable, and that could yeah. backfire on them. Yeah. So but again, if it thinks that they're going to... Everyone wants to be on the winning side. Oh, yeah. And if it looks like... This and we do look weak now yeah. throughout the world. And, you know, I, don't, I don't think Trump's helping with that but necessarily. I, I don't think... I, <laughs> I think that he is. I think that he's, I don't, he's I don't, I mean, I, I think the show, I don't know, news, news stories of Charlottesville, stuff like that, Like yeah. it seems like we're in a very... Well, we're hyper-focused on these social issues and things that are going on in America, which are important. I, I think that you kind of... I don't think this war is unavoidable, though. Like, no, no war I, is unavoidable. Because, when, because you said... I'm saying you that every day it looks like it's more and more poised. Maybe so. Right now, with yeah. this rhetoric, yeah. Yeah, I think people absolutely. have probably been saying this since the '80s, though. That every time this happened, <laughs> and we didn't right. take a firm right. stand. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure we'll be talking about this as the weeks go on. I don't think yeah. it's going to be. Uh, I don't think it's. I, gonna be, uh, I although, think we're going to be here next week to talk about it. I do. <laughs> yeah. I think well, we just got to see. Right now, China holds the cards. Everything has to. If China wants to shut down the situation, they can. They're not. And again, there's a lot of reasons for that. They like having that buffer. They don't want the United States meddling in their business. They don't want things. Now, Donald Trump is talking about putting sanctions on the banks, the Chinese banks that are basically dealing with them because they do support 90% of their economy. And you know, if you're going to do that, you might need to slap China on the wrist and see what, what do they do. Now, that could escalate things, and we don't know which way they're going to go. That's what I don't like. Is yeah. I don't like China being this wild card where we say, well, they're on our side. See, we don't know that. We don't actually know what if it yeah. all came down to it. We don't know which side they're going to be on. We, I would make the same part about Russia, though. Is like they're, well, they're, not, our, they're no not our friends. Reasons. Well, especially now because everyone in Congress keeps trying to shit all over Russia and everything. Like they have no reason to join our side. <laughs> yeah, no, really don't. yeah, I don't and, think they've ever really had a reason to. I mean, not in the last, <laughs> not in this century. Yeah, Congress is the bad guy yeah. here, right? Like, well, yeah. Congress is shitting all over the country that tried to Russia, infiltrate the election. Russia too. All, put shame on Congress. Yeah, yeah. But Russia, the whole thing that I've been talking about with Russia is they've always been an enemy in my mind. But what I was excited about when Trump became president was I thought maybe there's a chance that we can work with them in action because China's going to... Oh, yeah, in the same way, I thought Obama had a good shot at that about, like, it would be wonderful if we got along with the other superpowers in the world. It would have a lot more unity. Beneficial. The problem with Obama and the things that they were doing is they basically just said, well, we have to try the diplomatic solution, but... There was no test to it. There was no checks and balances. It was just, we'll take you at your word. And every time they were just lying. Yeah, you can't take Putin at his word. Yeah. So. So. Yeah. Yeah. I. Yeah. I don't know. We're gonna be talking about this. We'll see what happens. Yeah. The 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 classic line, right? Yeah. See what happens. I think I think we right now China's got the power, so it's gonna it's it's in China's field to to that point. Like to to kind of sum up on the whole thing, and I think that's a good probably a good place to end it was with China. I think that a lot of the rhetoric that we've seen over the last week with between Donald Trump and um, and North Korea is so there's you know we've talked about over and over again how. In one second, Donald Trump's an idiot. In one second, he's a master. Forty chess. Well, <laughs> so my my thought here is, it would make sense strategically if Donald Trump was making comments like this 
to get China to act, mm -hmm. that would make sense to me. Yeah. Um, or to get to, North I Korea. I yeah. coming out on Twitter and publicly saying China needs to handle this. If that's like you're almost yeah. giving up any power you have to negotiate somewhat. We don't have much. I mean, we don't. <laughs> but it just seems like coming out and like trying yeah. to shame them through social media isn't gonna. Yeah. So. I mean, we can do. China doesn't give a shit about Twitter. We tried it. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, and that's, that's China just, cares about much. China and Russia are very similar. Where they're gonna do what's best for them. So China's, you know, they don't give a shit that they pollute so much. Almost, I think, was what we needed. But like, they're just focused on their economy, which I kind of wish yeah. we would focus on too, to a certain extent. Well, right? We're kind of starting to get to it. Now. That was the problem I had with Obama. Is he was just like, well, fuck America's economy. Let's just help everyone else. I mean, he did help America's <laughs> economy, not as much as other presidents have in the yeah. past. But he did. There was an uptick after there's some, taking over during a recession is a hard thing to do. Yeah, there's right. some things, and like you said, it, I mean, the the math is in when it comes to austerity spending versus stimulus spending. The countries that did the stimulus spending recovered much quicker than the austerity countries. So that was the right thing to do. Now, wasting $800 billion on Solyndra and other companies when you don't own that market, yeah, China does, that right. was poor market research, and that wasted a lot of money that could have gone to help the rest of the economy. Well, let's, uh, let's find out when, when we tune in next week how much money this war is going to cost us. <laughs> so, I think that's a good place to end it for, for this one, though. Yeah, um, and so we'll, uh, we'll be back in a minute. We begin with breaking news from Charlottesville, Virginia, where two people have been injured in an altercation with protesters who are out in force over the planned removal of a Confederate statue. Well, this ugly scene unfolded just moments ago. From what we understand, clergy members have just arrived at Emancipation Park. That's the site of that protest today, leading groups in prayer. Meantime, militiamen armed with guns also began arriving a short while ago, and you see the result. Police are expecting thousands of people to show up for this demonstration today. The actual event was supposed to start an hour from now, but obviously the tensions in the crowd uh, boiled over. All of this following violent clashes breaking out at a white nationalist march last night at the University of Virginia. Okay, and we are back. Um, we're going to go ahead and jump into, obviously, the Charlottesville story now. Um, I have a little article here from CBS Miami. Miami! Where I get all my news. Um, <laughs> and I actually have an app or a ad popping up on my, uh, on my article here. So momentarily, I'm going <laughs> to read you an article from CBS Miami. Um, and we'll go ahead and then get into our thoughts and opinions on this whole thing. So... Charlottesville, Virginia. A car plowed into a crowd of people protesting a white nationalist rally Saturday in a Virginia college town, killing one person and sending at least 26, un 26 others to hospitals and ratcheting up tension in an increasingly violent confrontation. The chaos boiled over at what is believed to be the largest group of white nationalists to come together in a decade. The governor declared a state of emergency. Police dressed in riot gear ordered people out and helicopters circled overhead. The group had gathered to protest plans to remove the statue of the Confederate General Robert E. Lee and others who arrived to protest the racism. I'm sorry, others arrived to protest the racism. Um, Matt Corbin, a 22-year-old University of Virginia student, said several hundred counter-protesters were marching when suddenly there was just there was this tire screeching sound. A car smashed into another car, then backed up, barreling through a sea of people. Um, the impact hurled. Let's see where we're going. Damn tweets. 
Um, the impact hurled people into the air. Those left standing, scattered, screaming and running. Um, the driver was later arrested. The turbulence began Friday night when the white nationalists carried torches through the university campus and what, what they built. <laughs> oh, yeah, what was the quote that we found? Uh, their their tiki torches might be full of uh, citronella, but their like anger is fueled by bigotry. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, the greatest so, quote of all time. Yeah. Um, so, let's see. It quickly spiraled into violent Saturday morning. Hundreds of people threw punches, hurled water bottles, and unleashed chemical sprays. At least eight were injured and one arrested in connection. President Donald Trump condemned in the strongest possible terms what he called an, egre an egregious display of hatred, bigotry, and violence on many sides. After the clashes, he called for a swift restoration of law and order and the protection of innocent lives. Trump says he's spoken with the governor of Virginia, Terry McAuliffe, and we agree that the hate and the division must stop and must stop right now. But some of the white nationalists cited Trump's victory as validation for their beliefs, and Trump's critics pointed to the president's race, racially tinged rhetoric as exploiting the nation's festering racial tension. Um, the Reverend Jesse Jackson noted that Trump, for years, publicly request or publicly questioned Barack Obama's citizenship. We are in a very dangerous place right now, he said. Right-wing blogger Jason Kessler had called for what he termed a pro-white rally in Charlottesville. White nationalists and their opponents promoted the event for weeks. Oren Siegel, who directs the Anti-Defamation League Center on Extremism, said multiple white power groups gathered in Charlottesville, including members of neo-Nazi organization, racist skinhead groups, and Ku Klux Klan factions. The white nationalist organizations Vanguard America and Identity Europa, the... I think Vanguard America was the ones that had the white and... The uh, white crosses? Yeah. Or the crosses. shields. Yeah. Um, the National Socialist Movement, the Traditionalist Workers Party, the Fraternal Order of Alt Knights were also on hand. Um, the fuck are Alt Knights? <laughs> I'm guessing that's some kind of like Knights? Tea Party offshoot <laughs> or Klan offshoot. Is yeah. what I would imagine. On the on the other side, anti-fascist demonstrators also gathered in Charlottesville, um, but they generally aren't organized like white nationalist factions. That's true. Um, Many others were just locals caught in the fray. Colleen Cook, 26, stood on the curb shouting at rally attendees to go home. Cook, a teacher who attended the University of Virginia, said she sent her son, who is black, out of town for the weekend. This isn't how we should have to grow up, she said. Um, Cliff Erickson leaned against a fence, took in the scene. He said he thinks removing the statue amounts to erasing history and said counter-protesters are crazier than the alt-right. Both sides are hoping for a confrontation, he said. It's the latest, right. Yeah I, yeah, I think so, and we'll jump into that in a second. It's the latest confrontation in Charlottesville since the city, about 100 miles outside of Washington, D.C., voted earlier this year to remove the statue of Lee. In May, a torch-wielding group that included prominent white nationalist Richard Spencer gathered around the statue for a nighttime protest, and in July, about 50 members of a North Carolina-based KKK group traveled there for a rally where they were met by hundreds of counter-protesters. Kessler said this week that the rally is about is partly about the removal of Confederate symbols, but it's also about free speech and advocating for white people. This is about an anti-white climate within the Western world and the need for white people to have advocacy, advocacy like other groups do. Um, 
Charlottesville Mayor Michael Singer said that he was disgusted that the white nationalists had come to his town and blamed Trump for inflaming racial prejudices. I'm not going to make any bones about it. I place the blame for a lot of what you're seeing in the American Today right at the doorstep of the White House. I don't. Um, he said of the president. Charlottesville nestled the foothills of Blue Ridge Mountains in you can hear a cover of in a couple of weeks. That's right. I'm uh, done. Is a liberal-leaning city that's home to <laughs> flagship University of Virginia and Monticello. The statue's removal is part of a border city effort to change the way Charlottesville history of race is told in public spaces. The city has also renamed Lee Park, where the statue stands, to Jackson Park, and called for Confederate General Thomas Stonewall. Je or I'm sorry, where the statue stands in. Jackson Park is named for the Confederate General Thomas Stonewall Jackson. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Uh, right. Basically, it says that the for now the lease statue remains. A group called the Monument Fund filed a lawsuit arguing that removing the statue would violate state law. Governing War Memorials, a judge has agreed to temporarily block the city from removing the statue for six months. That's pretty much how the, the article wraps up. So yeah. that's the story of how we got to what we saw on the news yeah. yesterday, um, where people on both sides, um, and it did point out, because you and I had discussed it off the, off the microphone, obviously, that... Um, they are reporting that Antifa was there. Um, right. You know, so that, that's... And, and yeah, that, that's good. My big issue was the way the mainstream media was reporting it, where they weren't going well, into... Well, MSNBC was stuff. just blaming Trump for the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, MSNBC was... So, basically, this, kinda, this story kind of threw off the whole week where we were basically planning on doing everything, and then mm -hmm. all of a sudden, as I'm doing research for the rest of the topics... You hit me up, and you're like, dude, you might want to turn the TV on. <laughs> right. I think we're going to have to cover this. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't think we were going to get away with it. Um, it's but, just too much of the news right now. Yeah, so I was flipping between, and my, my big news source that I typically go to is One American News. I am fully aware that they are way more conservative than I am, but I just have to know that, so know that they've got their bias. But during the day, they're normally a pretty good news network. They didn't cover it at all. I was really disappointed. Like they literally, I didn't see any coverage on it as it was happening or afterwards. So I basically had that's to start like, that's watching. That's some Breitbart tactics. It's some bullshit. <laughs> what the fuck? So big drop, the total fail from them. So I basically had to watch MSNBC and uh, CNN. I, I flipped to Fox a little bit, but I didn't. They weren't C saying anything else. CNN's else was coverage was actually pretty decent during the and, day. It was, and I think that prime time it got. I, I think they're getting, they're stepping up their game a little bit to be taking. I think the ratings are coming now. They have to be taking more seriously. Yeah. I think too that this not is, that eight o'clock hour, man. That was, <laughs> yeah, that was hard to watch. I think but. too though that that's CNN's bread and butter. Like yeah. CNN loves riots because oh like, yeah. Really, yeah like, I mean, I think honestly <laughs> any news organization that has twenty four hour coverage, like the closest you get to sending your local correspondents to a war zone, right? Right. Exactly. You're gonna get, like that picture that was taken that I showed you. Like you're gonna get great coverage yeah. on yeah. it. Yeah. So yeah. Basically, MSNBC was covering is it. This, and, and more, they were giving Trump almost all the blame, but really who they were blaming was Steve Bannon. They're saying this is a direct result of Steve Bannon. Here's what I, was, I mean, I, to some degree, you know, they have a point there. This is kind of my argument here. It's like, not, I don't think you can put direct blame. You can't say right. what's happening right now in this present moment, in this town, over this statue, it lies on the shoulders of any one person. Right. I think the argument for Steve Bannon as the founder of racist propaganda site 
Breitbart News. Um, I think you can put a little bit more yeah. blame on him than you can on Trump. I think you it's can put a little where... bit of blame on Trump too for attracting these people, or, but that's at least that's, not you gotta you gotta put it on them, right? Like you can't yeah. blame <laughs> the person who actually can't blame Trump for the people who vote for him. Yeah, I just, do blame Trump for refusing to denounce them specifically. Yeah. Like, he like, has he, taken longer. He's not saying like I, I appreciate the comments that he made yesterday, but I would like it if he came out and said. A little bit more, a little yeah, stronger. Yeah, like maybe, well, I know, hey, I don't like the Klan. Paul, you know, yeah. I know, I know, yeah. I know Paul no, Ryan, you know, fair, Marco yeah. Rubio, they had no problem saying, you know, I denounce white supremacism. I don't like Paul Ryan. It's, that's I, don't, I, I don't either, like, but I was at least like, well, as, as soon as I heard his statement, too, I was like, insert whatever PC political Yeah, but like, come on, is. it's not, it's did. not hard to, like, this isn't, this isn't something that your career is going to suffer on. Like, oh, yeah. should I or should I not disavow white nationalists? I, mean, I think it, a, there's a pretty easy answer to that. <laughs> yeah. So if you're not a dumb fuck, you fuck. Right. You, which, I, I mean, I guess the last point seems to be that, like, that it's all Trump's base has left is white and supremacy. It's not. It's not. No, I'm it's sure they would take a hit. hit. Trump would take a hit number-wise if he pissed them off. I don't think it's that much. Like, that's where, and Brandon, I saw your comment yesterday on Facebook. Yeah, I would say, okay, like, here's, here's The my, base is the broadest of the group. Right. No, here's what I, Yes, but here's what I'm saying. And you and I agreed on this through the, through the campaign, right? Are all of Trump's supporters racist? No. Are all racist Trump supporters? Yes. <laughs> no, I, just, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to investigate say, that. I can pretty much say that with certainty. Not all. Just like I said, that Portland uh, guy that, I, I didn't see. Uh, I, I didn't, it was a Bernie Sanders supporter. I'm pretty sure. white nationalist out there going. You know what? We should Hillary all the way. <laughs> yeah. um, Hillary for coal. Yeah. Again, um, people have weird beliefs and whatnot. You can't just say that. Oh, every racist is a Trump supporter because again, it's already been proven false. Like, I can say whatever I want. I can just <laughs> the overwhelming wrong. majority of them are. Yeah. I would think that I would be comfortable saying the majority probably are, but I'm not going to yeah. come out and say that they... And I do think they have a, the left has a point that Trump, with his shrinking fan base, or his shrinking popularity numbers, doesn't want to alienate hands. any particular supporter. Yeah. And he's always... But he even did that during the campaign. He wrote that line of conspiracy theorists, like, he would never openly denounce them. He gave them just enough hope that, like, yeah, I'm your guy, you know? Right. And they... And well, and, and it doesn't help when... <laughs> People like uh, what's his name, David Duke, are at the yeah. Oh, thanks, Trump. I love it. Right, and, Dude, he, and then comes out on camera and is like, "This is why we voted for Trump." Well, this is why I because got... he said we were going to take yeah. the country back. Like, and well, now you're turning that into take it back to a white country. Right. People like Trump again. It shouldn't be hard for the White House to come out and be like, "No, no, we don't like this. we yeah. don't like that." Don't speak for me, Clan. Right. Um, exactly. And the thing I have a problem with too is that this whole thing started <laughs> because of the removal of the statue. Which we've covered. We've covered a little bit on how of our personal feelings on removing Confederate monuments. I mean, have like here, yeah. To me, that was totally different in my mind, only because I've been through Forest Park a million times. I've seen that statue and never once have thought that's a Confederate symbol. Me either. Right. I, although, I will argue, I don't think Robert E. Lee's a Confederate. He's a, he, he was a general, me. but... He was, but he also did a lot of things for America. You know, He also didn't agree with slave owning, being no, he going technically about it. But yeah, right. he, just, he just came back because his country yeah. called him. And I guess I mean, he doesn't represent that side to a certain yeah. degree. But. but again, here's my point, and I know that, like, this is my personal opinion, and I don't expect anybody listening to, to buy into it, but it's a piece of stone. <laughs> like it is literally a rock, yeah. and I understand yeah. what it represents. But if you came up to me today and you're like, "We're we're just gonna get rid of Mount Rushmore. We're just we we need some we need some rock. I have a problem. We with need that. some rock from Washington's nose, and we're gonna we're gonna have to dynamite stick that." I would be like, "Well, that's happening." <laughs> well, Can I get a number two with a coat? Right. Like, 
I if we're gonna take down every statue of a guy that owned or slaves, we're gonna have to get rid of every. You know, yeah, it was, yeah. it's too big a part George of our history. And Although I, did, I think guys. it's different when you're talking about the statue of a person versus the Confederate flag, which is more of a symbol. Right. Yeah, I agree with it that. It was the rebel flag they did lose. And so, yeah. And so I get it. Right. And I don't have a problem People with. People don't fly the swastika flag. Robin E. Lee, you know, after the war, was an American again. He yeah. went and taught at a college in and that's Virginia. The thing you know, too is all those guys were Americans. So I, I have a problem with people who don't know the history of the Civil War, and they say, like, what well, was fought for slavery? No, it wasn't. Well, if, they, if the Confederacy would have won, slavery would have lasted for till now. No, it wouldn't have. It would have been like 10, 15 years. Yeah. Right? But, I think it is the reason they fought it, because and, they, it was a part of their economy, yeah, free labor. That's the problem, is that to the left, when they look at that statue, right, they, don't, they see a racist symbol. That's what they see. And so in their minds, they're saying, we have to get rid of this because it's a racist symbol. Other people look at it and say, well, no, this is what it actually means. And the problem I have with the mainstream media and the way that they were, were phrasing it is they're saying there is no argument. If you're for this statue, you are for slavery, See, you are for... Then that, that is the wrong argument. And, and, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what, absolutely not a fair argument. Now, when the media says there is no argument, white nationalists that show up with weapons are douchebags. Like, right. I'm on the media side there. Yeah, they are. Well, yeah, now, you, you can't on, the, on the flip side, Antifa that shows up with bike locks and right. shit... Same same story. Right. And the, that's, fact that's the, matter, a, the fact of the matter is, what happened yesterday, what happened this weekend with in Charlottesville was, it wasn't initially supposed. It wasn't organized by white nationalists. It was organized well, by. Well, the United the Right was was right, a, but it was organized by conservatives to protest the removal of that statue. Then from, it got taken over by white nationalists. No, and I could be wrong here, but what I was looking into is what the it started from the Unite the Right protest which was organized by white supremacists. Oh, that, really? that is how I read it. Yeah. 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 Is that so it? it was more or less started as a yeah. uh, white nationalist. Well, I have a huge issue with that because first off, using the term Unite the Right Fuck you! I'm part of the right. And I yeah. don't like any of those. I things. don't think most of the right would agree. So I don't with that. like that. And then yeah. it also lumps in anyone who's just not for dismantling the statue. You are now a white supremacist because right. that's your platform. Yeah, and that's which not I, true. Because I'm a I, the Civil War is my favorite part of history. So I'm a Civil yeah. War buff. So I would personally, in the same way that the uh, concentration camps are still standing as a testament to history, yeah. they didn't tear them down. They let them stand, and now you can and you can look at it and you can, and go you can it. Yeah, you, yeah, you can stimulate thought and debate. Right. I would think the same thing with the statue. I wouldn't personally want to tear it down. I understand people saying they think it's racist. Yeah. I'm not a minority. Right. I, I don't know what they feel when they look at a statue <laughs> right. of a white, you know, person who the fought against their race. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't. I, to me personally, and I think I fall kind of where you guys fall. But when I look at the statue, I don't have a problem with it. I don't either. I also think too, and when we talked about the statues the last time we talked about them, that if history had played out the way that it does in almost every other country, like, right. these would have been taken down at the end That's of the, the first Civil thing War. You, do, like, you take down yeah. the, the losing side. The, the problem was that these were Americans. So as soon as they me, lost, they became Americans. To me, it's, yeah. it's almost, it, it's very interesting that people, I feel like people pretend that they have stronger feelings about this that they, than they actually do. It's 2017. Right. It's 100 or 200 years later, 150 years later, whatever. <laughs> um, and, like, I do think, you really care? Like, I think they do. And I, I think they do just because they don't, they don't understand what it means. And to the, like I said, I really think they honestly believe that's a racist symbol. Yeah. And mm -hmm. if it's standing, you're promoting racism. And I think in their mind, that's right. The problem I have with where the, the left has been and where the right has been, the left has taken the stance that we're getting rid of, uh, you know, I'm right and you're wrong. Now it's I'm righteous, so you're evil. If you would disagree with me, I have the only opinion. And again, when I was watching CNN in the 8 o'clock hour, 
they just kept going. It was like four talking heads. Where they were like, there was no discussion here. These need to come down. If you're against you see, it, you're not right. And you're and more than that, you're a xenophobe, you're a bigot. They I do just all think the buzzwords, it's so weird to have so much... To have so much uh, fire in that opinion. Yeah. like, And I get it, because in that sense... In, they think in, they're in, righteous. Because they think they're righteous. And I get that. I just... To me... You gotta be able to discuss it. And, you're right. It yeah. has to be able. It's to the same reason why we don't go after the Westboro Baptist Church. Like we all agree that they're dumb fucks. <laughs> right. Yeah, but they have a, they have their right to be done. As long right. as it is, until you become violent and. Now I do think too, though, that when white nationalist groups, when racist organizations do organize an event like this, it shouldn't be shocking that the other side's going to show up. No, no, no. I'm actually disappointed that the police didn't take it more seriously. Or, you know, I right. think that's a huge part like, of the well, they story. They tend to do that. They, 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 the beginnings of it, they, they say that they're fine with the skirmishes to a degree. They don't want to see excessive yeah. violence, but just the but when people, clashing, yeah, like they, when they people it's not like people are in a, sm like a small clash and they're suddenly going to back off. That's going yeah, to escalate people start, snowballs. When people start showing up with chains and pipes and bike locks and stuff like that, like that's where I don't care yeah. about freedom of speech and I don't care what... Dude, because there was the argument yesterday that was happening while it was happening live where the, the reporters were saying, well, the police are nervous that if they go in and they take weapons away, it's just going to escalate everything faster. Yeah. That's your job. So <laughs> yeah. what are we they paying really you? Like, I, I understand that you think we're paying you to kill black people, but <laughs> that's not actually what we're paying you to do. We'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, like, I just... I, I don't understand how. Yeah, I'm all for the Second Amendment. Um, I, I like I said personally, I don't carry a gun. I have, I saw statistics I, on it that said that if you if a gun is going to be used, 95% of the time it's used on, in a domestic dispute, uh, suicide, or an accidental firing that results in death, something like that. Only 5% is actually for your your defense. defense. Yeah. So I got a nine year old. I don't want to have a gun around. Right. That's my decision, but I don't want to take anyone else's guns away. I do think there, there should be something about, like, if there's going to be a debate that you know is going to yeah. draw heat, that, like, you would suggest it. Yeah, like, no, I, as long as, but we have spots where you can't do it. You can't bring it into right. a post office. You can't bring it into Bush That's kind of my yeah, whole should theory. should be able to bring it into these protests. That's kind of my whole theory with the, the open carry here. You, you're not allowed to bring, like, you're not allowed to open carry at a theme park. You can't yeah. walk into Disney World with a gun and be like, well, it's my it right. Is, like, yeah, um, well, your right is waived yeah. here. And both so sides, Black Lives Matter and these white supremacist groups, are carrying around assault weapons. And this was, a, this was a public park, right? Yeah. So there's an yeah. argument to be made that this is government property anyway. And well, they had a permit. So oh, okay. when you get a permit, basically, it becomes you. your space for the, the okay. allotted time. And again, which you do have the right to. But again, I think the like that that is at the in its simplest term that sim that restriction itself is absolutely I'm justified. I'm fine with that. That's a Republican saying, "Okay, big government, go in." Yeah, <laughs> you know, you'll get yeah, to take it down. when you know that thousands of people who are vehemently, yeah. theologically against each other. Or yeah. show up for an event. It's okay to say, "All right, well, we're we're restricting what you can bring." Right. So. I'm, like, I'm fine with that, and Republicans so can my, cry big government all they want. We're talking about public safety here. Right. Well, bad guys are going to bring guns. That's what the cops are there for. Yeah, they were just and, and Right. right. That, yeah, that, that's my personal opinion as well. Now, the problem... So I didn't have any issue with... You know, I think everyone's in agreement on these, the white nationalist part of the story. My issue was the way that the mainstream media and social media and other places were covering the other side of it. So they, they maybe mentioned that Antifa was there, that Black Lives Matter was there, but they didn't talk about how they were doing violence. And again, they've been ignoring, the mainstream media has, for the past nine months. 
And so they want to put a magnifying glass and say, this is the right. This is everyone on the right. If you voted for Trump, this is I you. I don't think that they and did, then they just ignore I, I the rest of the I think you're assigning what they... I feel like you're manufacturing what the media assigns to those see. people. That's what I, I was talking I, about yesterday. I, absolutely not. If you watch CNN, at least during the day when I was watching it, they were talking about the fact that they were white nationalists. And right. it is fair to call bigots absolutely. what they are. It yes. is fair to call... 100%. My problem was with them saying that there was no never, other side. It, but it's they only never, the white nationalists. But they don't ever started. call out the Democrats. I'm like, you guys have to be moral high ground. You have to be Gandhi. And, I completely yeah, agree this. with that. I completely agree with that. That like there is I've always talked about standards. So right. whatever your whatever you expect from the right, you expect from the left. Consistency. Right? Right. Consistency. Absolutely. But I don't I did not see and again I didn't watch MSNBC. I don't oh, have MSNBC access to terrible. It, but I didn't <laughs> see at least hard. at least from CNN and Fox yesterday. I did not see an instance where it was this is the right. And Fox, yeah. you wouldn't see that. I, I didn't, I didn't see, see, see that all over Twitter and social media. Yeah. And with I, liberals in, CNN, in the 8 o'clock hour, it was the, the, an entire hour of I think you another are thing, racist if you are. I think <laughs> a thing to your point too, Frank, is that, and, and you made the point a second ago, that the... Um, the social media, this is how it was talked about on social media, and the point at the right is this is all encompassing at the right. And I understand that TVAP is social media news, yeah. but there's a statement to be made about the fact that people are looking at Blogspot and going, well, that's the right, well, that's yeah, the left. Right. Like, the, these are just people like us, and we're, when we, I feel like we, at least at the Devil's Advocate, try to present because of the format, we try to present both sides, and right. like we, neither and one of us. Because the people that we are, we try to go with rational. Right, thought. and we, we can disagree, but there's a rationale behind it. It's not right. how they're evil because they hate all black people. It's not a gut hate. feeling, right? Yeah. yeah. So I think that when when people are are sifting through the the minutia online, and you know. You see a story about well, this happened in Char Charleston, Charlottesville. Every time in Charleston, I can't Charleston get it. <laughs> um, so in, here's what's crazy. Here's why I can't get it. I'll just give you a, a little background into why I keep messing this up. Because the second that it happened, we all know it's no secret here on this show that Brandon has a little bit of a pro wrestling problem. And so for the last few days, I've been watching like these old WCW videos from the WWE Network. And so as soon as I heard the story, I was like, that's where Ric Flair's from. And so now <laughs> this story happened <laughs> in Charlotte, North Carolina, and that's not at all where it happened. No. Um, so, but, but anyway, I, I think that... Um, I've got a problem. Like, okay. I think that people should just vet their own news sources. When yeah. you're looking at an article from... From uh, the what is it, the Daily Wire or the da um, Daily Telegraph or Daily no, Wire is been it's Hero, isn't it? No, I don't think it was that one. It's but it's basically like a blogspot thing, right? Like yeah. we have a clear agenda here. We're super to the left or to the right, and we're giving you a headline that says this is what the other side represents. Right. Do your own homework. Use your own common sense. If one side is presenting you what the other side is about, they're probably a little biased. Uh, <laughs> all right. You know. Problem is again is those people don't know. They just yeah. they, they take it for face value. Oh, I know, and we see it all the time. You and I know people mutually. And we're thinking of the same person right now. I'm sure, I am. Um, <laughs> that that puts stuff out and talks like it, and they like make a comment on it like it, this is fact. 
And like one story, you remember, you'll, you'll know, if you don't know who I am right now, when I tell you, when I remind you of this story, you will. <laughs> um, but a couple of years ago, this person put out a story that said it was during the Ferguson thing. And it was, yeah. you know, we were all focusing on how, um, how blacks were disproportionately treated and whatnot. And we'll go into that in a few minutes. Yeah. Um, but this person put out an article about, well, while the news is showing you all of, how horrible white people are. Look at these three black people that yeah. assaulted this chick outside of this hotel, raped her, and did all this stuff. Right. Okay. And that's what they do. Okay, but all I had to do was look and see that that was like from www.si.ri <laughs> and go, okay, that looks weird. Let me type in those names on the internet and see what I find. Those people are real people who don't have criminal records. The story is completely made right. up. A simple Google search allows you to find the correct information, but we have people out here that see these things, read a headline, and just post it out there, and yeah. now you have this idea, if you're looking at Charlottesville, based on what Facebook said, this is the way the story unfolded, and that's right. not, that's yeah, not I was accurate. Saying, I was and I would, I would say that kudos to CNN, at least CNN, who I thought during the day did a good job. During the day, they did do a good job. They fell apart. <laughs> yeah, I don't, they're I still don't better than it. Alex Jones calling it oh, a God. false flag operation while it was happening. Yeah, dude. I, I mean, I was, yeah, that's got to set a record for time being an asshole. I was like, literally oh, yeah. still watching people get hit in the head with pipes and shit, right. looking for the soundbite that we were going to play into the show, and as I was going to pull it, the fourth video down on YouTube was, this is staged by the government. You already have a theory? It's still happening. Right. Like, well, you don't even have all your points He's yet. going through a whole court case with his custody he's lost and all that. custody of his children. Yeah, and he argued, that was his argument, because her and it was like, you're not fit because of all these things. And his argument was, this is just a show. This is a persona. Well, yeah, he always called himself a sat, like I said, like a satirist. Like he yeah, he's just saying, like, I don't actually no. believe any of this stuff. Yeah, well, but, but his fans yeah, do, though. That's, yeah, problem. Do. that's very yeah. dangerous. But it's like a Rush Limbaugh type of... That's what uh, leads to a guy walking into a yeah. pizza place with a rifle, you know, Absolutely. because someone takes that way too Here's the difference, though. I would not, I would not do Rush Limbaugh the disservice to put him in the same category with... I always thought he was a fake. I would put... I, I think he's a piece of shit, but he's more of a journalist put, in terms of... Alex Jones is a snake oil salesman. That's all he is. I would put Rush Limbaugh in a category with Sean Hannity with Glenn Beck, but I would not yeah. put Alex Jones in it because Alex yeah, Alex Jones I would put in a category with Michael Moore or yeah. or Milo in yeah, that list. So that, blinded uh, by his side, he's willing to make up or their book. Well, and their entire their entire goal is to be provocative. It's not to right. actually tell you the news or give you information. Yeah. It's to be as provocative as they possibly can yeah. they because that gets ratings. Like. So, they do the same thing. It's character assassination, where Milo will constantly put out the only things that he puts out are crime statistics on black people or something, and that individual story. Like you know what you're doing. Right. Everyone else you're, knows what you're doing. They're like, well, it's not racist. It's the truth. It's like, yeah, but it's just a, there's a magnifying glass on these aspects that don't reflect what actually is going on. Right. It's like when and the left is the same way as well. And I'm going to yeah. do it now and because I, I get to work it in. But it's mm -hmm. like next week when we talk about local St. Louis douchebag Mark's, Mark Cox <laughs> um, when he picks and chooses. He had a little segment and I'll find it and I'll play it for you next week. But it was a segment on he, this guy doesn't like marijuana. He's ah, I keep peeking the city. <laughs> um, he is the Jeff Sessions of St. Louis, and so Don't he, smoke he uses these statistics where he's like, well, well I'm doing did it. you know that since Colorado has legalized marijuana, that um, the crime, the, or that the black market for 
marijuana has gone yeah, up. Like, well, yeah, no shit. That's how math works, dude. Like, <laughs> well, you they're can, shipping it to co- other right. states. That All aren't these states around legalized. Don't have legal of course, it's right. Yeah. You, you now can, you just introduce supply, and there you go. Now we have two choices: we can go back to the way it was, where it wasn't working, or we can legalize it in all fifty yeah. states and figure out how to monopolize or make you, money on it. Right. You can all put you did a was magnifying cheaper and cut out one distributor across the board. Right. That's all you did. You can put a magnifying glass on any stat you want to make it look like whatever you want. But right. the fact of the matter is, if you scale back a little bit. Right. You see the full and story. And like I said, when it comes to these rights, that's what I think they're doing. They're ignoring the nine months of, of liberal, far left liberal violence. But is it and fair? Saying, this but is, is it fair when? Now I agree with you to an extent, but I think here's where the real test comes in. It's Sunday right now. This happened on Saturday. If on Tuesday or Wednesday or Friday of this coming week, they're still only pointing out the yeah. the. Then I agree with you. Where I don't, what I don't think that they have a responsibility to do is to say this is happening live right now. We're mm-hmm. watching this. This is why it started. But let's keep in mind that six months ago this happened in Berkeley. I don't think they have a responsibility because they're reporting the news and the story that's happening yeah, that's is the story not where that's I'm, happening. I'm saying the violence that was happening there by Black Lives Matter. Agree with you. But I ideally would like that. to see every media organization come out and decry violence no matter who's committing exactly. it while it's, it's happening. Like, <laughs> like, and I personally would, would encourage the left, like, stand back, let them look like assholes, and that's how you yeah. change opinion. You don't right. change opinion through violence, you change it by, you know, a peaceful protest, well, letting right. yourself get well, and that, hit by hoses. Well, that was your point that you said to me a few days ago, um, was that, you know, you, you had said to me that it's one thing to in the 1960s for the Black Panthers to be upset about about the way that they were being that black people were being treated. It's another thing when Malcolm X comes out and says, so we'll kill white people. Yeah. Like that, <laughs> that's, that's not the that's not you the You can't decry response. them for doing the thing Don't that you're encouraging that. to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I do see that there are a lot of people on the left that I see daily this like let's kill them mentality but they, right. they want to kill them for being violent or for being bigamous but or bring them all in yeah but the, but it is like consistency that is the ultimate thing we need everyone yeah. needs to not be so hypocritical which I guess is yeah. inherent in all people and again, it's, it's getting the facts wrong presenting them incorrectly and then not correcting yourself mm-hmm. so whenever the big thing with MSNBC and CNN last night was they were pissed off that Trump said violence on both sides and they I were saying that. that's wrong. Well, I saw Dan Jones' argument. I, 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 oh man, that, that was. A, and I'm, I'm, I've I, praised Dan Jones before, and the whole time I, I was didn't like, have a problem with it. Oh my god, I didn't have a problem with it. If he if he'd have said the words white supremacist or you know yeah, if he'd have said those words, I wouldn't have had a problem with it at all. I think they do have a point, and the longer he continues to refuse to say those words, it's the point is going to grow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think it. I mean, I think in the in that same respect, the the issue yesterday that I had while this thing was going on. There was CNN, I thought, again, we keep talking about the middle of the day, but at yeah. least when it was happening, they the were coverage was they, good. Because you're biased ass. I texted <laughs> you and said you might want to turn on TV and you're like, let me guess. The the uh the bad guys are all wearing Trump t-shirts. They haven't even said anything about Trump. <laughs> well, that's the narrative. Um, and, and that's my problem. Is that I feel that they, when you watch CNN and MSNBC, they have a narrative that Republicans are bad, they're evil, they're racist. And so that's what they were reporting yesterday, which this was the best evidence for it. Like, there were Nazis out there. Right. My yeah. problem is whenever you look back at the Portland uh, stabber and whatnot, him being a Bernie guy, it was reported, this guy supports Trump. And then 
you know, you lose yeah. interest after five but days, and they never go back and say, oh, no, by the way, they did very, actually. very quickly. Within the same day, I promise I saw, you, within the same 24 hours, I saw some new cycle, cycles did, a lot of new cycles did, dude, they didn't everybody, go back and that was article. like the whole point of, the, the, the whole talking point of the right was, this was a birdie guy, this was a well, birdie guy. you didn't know that until, like, after the 48-hour news cycle. That's I, my problem, is they didn't, a lot of news cycles didn't go back true. and do it. They did a new article... But the peak interest was gone. I, that first 48 I hours, you're we're getting peak I'll interest. I'll look it up. Yeah, and, and if you don't edit that after the fact, people can still click on that link. I don't disagree. I don't and disagree. If you look at my Twitter, is full of examples of them not fixing <laughs> articles. Updated, dude. Yeah. I don't disagree with your point, but I do think you're wrong on this story. Because I really, really, honestly, well, I believe any time that a story like that happens, all everybody goes to that person's Facebook page. They would have yeah. known he was I a Bernie supporter. I they took it down. Yeah. I mean, they, I went for and they interviewed his it. mom, and his mom even said that she didn't realize, she thought it was a Trump uh, rally. Yeah, like like, Trump rally. So there is that, uh, the media is blaming Trump. I mean, to a large degree, a lot of people that showed up there were there because of Trump, and they think that this yeah. is like, it's kind of bolstered their... It's yeah, the largest, and, and here's the, largest the, here's the thing: no matter no matter what you want to say, under Barack Obama, George W. Bush, Bill Clinton, Ronald Reagan, Jimmy Carter, white supremacists didn't show up in the streets right. in the thousands. And like, here, here's what so, I think about that: so I think Trump that, is emboldening these people. Uh, this is where I'm going to disagree with you. I don't think Trump is emboldening those people. Those people. I think that it's a unintended consequence. And the way that I always describe this is when it comes to the immigration debate with Barack Obama. So Barack Obama says, we're going to do the DREAMer Act. If you're born here, you don't get to be deported. That's a policy that we like. And it's, it's also one, even as a Republican, I agree with. But that had an unintended consequence. What happened was these people that are crossing the border illegally, these that are basically trying to get away from the cartels, they're not coming from Mexico. They're coming through Mexico. So they're escaping Chile. They're escaping Colombia. They're escaping Guatemala. And they just go through Mexico. And so these people, they don't speak our language. They don't have access to our news. And so the coyotes, the people who get paid to put them over, would say, no, this is policy. Under Barack Obama, you get to come in, and once you're in, you're in. It's a better life for your kids. And so they would take all of their money, send them over. 90% of women get raped on the journey there. Here's, and, I, and it's an unintended consequence. It is. Now that here's, Trump is in there, here's where I, Here's the only, the only line or contrast that I draw to that between the, the Obama and Trump comparisons. If somebody had came to Barack Obama and said, this is what the coyotes are doing, do you have a statement? He would have said, they should not do that. <laughs> well, that's another hypothetical. I'm sure they, they really do what You're going to play the hypothetical card on well, that I'm sure one? Barack Obama knew that. Hypothetically, Barack Obama he would have, doesn't really care that much. But he, he would have spoken out immediately. It. Versus, and I think I we'll see this. On it. We'll see this in the coming weeks as it boils over. I don't remember he, a question on it. Well, I don't know. Because what we do have evidence of is people asking Donald Trump what to do you think about and all that. And he has. But again, when it comes to emboldening the the racist, I think that is Trump's unintended consequence for going after PC culture because he did. And oh, that yeah. was something yeah, that I supported I him while I said, no, I, I can't stand this political correctness. And, but because of that, an unintended consequence was bigots and the white supremacists did get emboldened. And they got to say, well, we're just being anti-PC. Right. And it's not true. Which is so it's an unintended which was consequence. the entire that argument that you and I had through the entire well, they're saying campaign that it's because was of they're using PC as an excuse exactly. to be racist. Exactly. 
But I don't like assigning the blame on Trump, saying this is it's your fault. Yes, like, I wouldn't say necessarily it's, now it's his fault, but if, yeah, if we go months and months of, of this kind of uh, these kind of clashes and he refuses, it's to, absolutely the well, same. Well, the damage is done. We've already gone against PC culture, and they're going to keep using that as an it's excuse. The, it's so. absolutely it is, the same as saying that because some news sources are not reputable, all liberal media or anyone that talks against me is fake news. No, I'm not going to yeah, say it that is. far. It absolutely is. The how is same. that? How is that the same? Well, how is it not the same? Like we're you're talking about PC culture, you're bringing up fake news, right? What we're talking about is using <laughs> the the excuse of, well, no, I'm not being racist. I'm being politically correct. It's right. exactly the same as being like, well, you know, that story was fake, so probably the whole organization is. Uh, like, well, uh, when when you say you want to throw out political correctness, I think I know what you're saying though, because the like, political correctness is also not using the N word. Yeah, yeah, like. Yeah, I don't want to say woman hole cover instead of manhole cover. I think that's too far. <laughs> but I'll agree, I shouldn't say the N word. It also sounds much worse. Like, if you said woman hole cover, right. yeah, it almost sounds like you're going to jump in the woman hole real quick. Like, <laughs> right. But I think when you just lump in all PC culture, like, that is really you get to pick and choose. There are some that is racist. There are some that's just, I think, idiotic when you try to right. pick certain words but I think because it offends one person. I right, think, exactly. You know, at the, at But that, again, that, that was the consequence that now people are going to use that. Right. But I don't like when they assign blame on Trump saying it's your fault because you wanted it and now this is happening. No, I mean, I mean, no. everyone else in his cabinet came out and openly denounced it, and I think yeah. they have a point that he needs to, but he, he needs to do more. Yeah, yeah, I will see. And if the coming months, if he doesn't, the ability yeah. to either disavow it or embrace it. Yeah. yeah, it's not that hard. Like, you need to do pick something. a, and pick a pretty, side. Are you a bigot? Because I don't believe that he is. <laughs> right. So, like, I don't know why well, he his life and the it. people that he's hired and everything else. He doesn't reflect. I mean, like, I, mean I think he, he really. I think names. he puts. I think he thinks everyone is shit besides him. I don't think it's a race thing. <laughs> yeah, it just comes, yeah it comes an individual. So but yeah, so there, there's that again to kind of sum it up. I think everyone's in agreement. Fuck white supremacists. Right. I also think that I would like to see more agreement with fuck any type of racist group that that goes out and propagates ideas that yeah. we're better. I think because of I think race. I think we need a good public debate about what are we going to allow statues like this? Because I'm a liberal yeah. that would be okay with the Robert E. Lee statue. Me too. I was yeah, okay with the, with the Forest Park statue. Yeah, me too. Yeah, but no, it's I an agree. interesting debate to have. The where where you draw the line of yeah. offensive. Well, and I think really when you draw the line, and what we said on the last time, the last time that we talked about it, is I think that financially is where you draw the line. If it makes sense to keep or remove something, yeah. that's where you should draw the line. Yeah. I, I think it's for... also telling though that the fact that we won the, the well, we the North won the Civil War, and they didn't remove these statues. They no. invited the people in, let them keep their culture, let them keep their statues and their heroes. Maybe there's a lesson to be taken about that of turning the other cheek, and you yeah. know. Our morals will march on. We'll become more yeah. liberal as we go. Or and again, we have to have that debate because I, st- I really, truly believe they think that this is a racist symbol. And that if you say, well, there is no debate, then you're not going to be able to change their opinion. And then you're going to, there is no other solution. So to say that, that Trump is the reason for the rally, no. no. They made a, an order saying, let's remove this statue. That's the reason why the rally started. And then everything else went crazy. Right. No, so, I agree with you. So. Um, We're also, I think, spending too much time there, like, what is the cause of this problem versus how do we solve this problem, which we probably should be talking about more. I think the cause, well, how we solve it is debate. Yeah. That's why I had an issue with CNN and all the other people saying, no, there is no debate. This is it. And I was like, no, dude. (laughs) I I don't see nearly enough historians being asked the question, like, do you personally find these these statues offensive as a historian? Right. Which, yeah. But at the end of the day, I don't think, I think everybody is so 
has their own feelings on it so much that mm-hmm. I don't think being told by an expert what we should think about it is right. going to change anything. People aren't going to change how they think about well, it. Well, the argument is the historical context to it. Right. It'd be I, nice to have a story come out and, and, um, and say it. I just don't know if you, if it's sellable. Yeah. So, but, I, you know, I think on that note, that pretty yeah. much does it. Um, in, uh, in just a minute, we'll get back into another racist group called uh, the police. So. <laughs> in Missouri is burning. The reaction to the decision not to charge Officer Darren Wilson was almost immediate violence by some in the crowd that assembled outside the Ferguson Police Department. You all assembled if you are in the middle of a street. Police responded with tear gas. Protesters reacted by setting fires. Soon after the announcement, things here escalated quickly. Behind me, you can see that we've got two police cars fully engulfed in flames, and this is all coming as riot police are fully deployed here, ready to tackle whatever these protesters throw at them. Violence was not on the agenda for the Ferguson president, who goes by the name of Django. I pray for the best, you know, because me personally, I'm not going to go destroy nothing. I just, I want it to be a better outcome, you know. A prevailing concern was that the violence would overshadow efforts to resolve the racial tension Django says exists between Ferguson's residents and its police force. All right, now let's get into the rest of the week. Um, mm-hmm. The the soundbite you just heard was obviously uh, about Ferguson. And the reason that we're gonna we're gonna jump into that today is, is for actually a couple of reasons. Um, one, this past Tuesday was the three year anniversary of the shooting and right. death of Michael Brown, um, obviously sparking the Ferguson riots that we all remember very, very well since yep. we were right down the street from them. Yeah. Um, so, so obviously we'll start there. And then Mitch and I have been talking for several weeks about when when the, these two arguments about how the, this is a manu- that the um, tension between the police and minority communities of color um, that it's all just this is all just manufactured. It's manufactured by the media. They're pushing this narrative, and you know, Mitch and I have said it for weeks and weeks and weeks at a time um, that no, it's not like there are stats. You can there are, there's math that can be done here, and you can figure out who is being treated fairly, and and, and if is this really overblown or is there really something here? So right. we'll we'll start obviously with Ferguson, and then we'll we'll kind of break into that real quick. So. We all remember Ferguson. Yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't that long ago. Three years ago, um, on a Saturday afternoon, Michael Brown was stopped in the middle of the street at first for jaywalking um, by Darren Wilson, Ferguson PD, and it escalated. Uh, Darren Wilson shot him, and then there was conflicting reports and different sides saying one he was charging at him, 
And then the other witness reports that said he had his hands up. Right. And that's where really the controversy and the big argument right. and conflict came from. And a lot of people on both uh, people on both sides of the debate, once they've staked their 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 dog in this fight, right. will only cite one set of data. The fact of the matter is, there are aut autopsies. For anybody that wasn't yeah. here and wasn't yeah. watching this happen, there are autopsies. The problem here is that there are a lot of conflicting the the doctors that did these autopsies have all come out with different, there's like three different yeah, conclusions. Three different so like, yes, his hands were up in the air, no, they weren't up in the air, right. and then inconclusive. Yeah. And like, that doesn't help the public get anywhere. Right. Um, Personally, I side against Darren Wilson. I think he was in the wrong. I, I know that I, I did differ from a lot of Republicans in that, because that's apparently what they think. Uh, and especially to me, when it looked at the autopsy report, when it came to the... Um, the image where they have the body and then they show where the impact wounds were. Right. Well, you had it, you know, here, 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 You're going to have to explain here. to the listening audience where yeah. here I'm and pointing here to is. where you would basically be if you had your hands up. Right. What it looks like. It did, yeah, it definitely seemed like that. I know he was charging and that's why it was, it yeah, was like that. Yeah, two shots to the head and like four down the, like his forearms yeah. and like his, where you would his think, biceps yeah. um, and then a couple in his side. Um, and the and yeah, you would think that to be shot there, you would either, probably either two up. ways, two ways that that could happen in my mind. Um, one is that his hands were up in the air; he was facing him. The right. other is that he was running away and his arms were down. Right. But he was still had his back turned and he was running away. And there is an argument to be made that if somebody is fleeing. You don't just get to shoot at them. Yeah, um, yeah they're, that, not that, a, they're not an immediate threat. Yeah, and that's pretty decided but, upon. They're yeah. the opposite of an immediate threat. Now, I would they're an immediate argue, not threat. Yeah, they're running away. To play <laughs> devil's advocate, I would make the argument that if you're saying he's running so his arms are swinging, you could also say the same if he's running forward. Yeah, yeah, somewhat. I mean, you'd have to be running in a pretty odd yeah. angle to bring your arms up. Like and that's that. what they're saying. We charged them. You know. I mean, I, but I, yeah, there were. I, I remember people being able to source different parts of data that seemed to back up every claim that he was right. in the right or the wrong. You had people that were and pretty much immediately. It was. Yeah. It was the day afterwards. The, well, these people defending the cop was like, "Well, the, the autopsy proves that it." it the the real problem with that. social media is that everyone becomes an expert in a and a reporter and right. they think they're going to crack the story like it cracks me up when they <laughs> right. think that they're going to like let the police do their job that's what they get paid and trained for right now I do think then the, can you trust the, the police <laughs> right yeah and I, I, and I do think I guess. that when you look at it in this case I would say there are there are definite reasons why I can understand why it would be hard to trust the police and I had I had trouble in this case yeah um the a, the handling of the situation from the get-go. After Michael Brown is shot and is laying in the, on the ground, he's laying on the ground for like four hours in the middle of the street on a hot, right. hot August day. That's not how you're supposed to handle it. Yeah. If, like, if you shoot them, you're supposed to handcuff them, and then you call it in immediately and you say, I need ambulance on scene. Right. That's what you're supposed Darren to do. Darren Wilson also, after the story came out that Darren Wilson had been attacked by him, yeah. like that, there, the there was no ambulance call from the police like there's a timeline and actually it's in the it's in the comment section on this uh, on this topic um there's a really good usa today breakdown that i put in there that tells you from call number one into the police station this is minute by minute how ferguson went down right and he uh, called additional troops there before they called an ambulance or did anything right so, and so i think that like so obviously that sparks that sparks civil unrest. Um, well, it's a history too. This isn't the first time police no. have unanimously gotten off. Of, like it, almost rarely does well, police officers get Well, I mean, charges. if we stay, 
if we stay at the beginning before we even get to the conclusion of it, once the unrest started that Saturday afternoon and then spilled over throughout the weekend and then obviously into a, a month-long, two-month-long thing, um, the it, it was so every step of the way painted. It, it, to me, it was that character assassination that we see. Yeah, so what you're seeing here is a reason that, for there to be yeah. tension between the police and the community. That because really it's took over the narrative. It's right. It's not, but it's not, to me, those people arguing that this is a manufactured media narrative. No, it's not, because what the police did was the second that people came out and were upset about this, they or the second that they released, people were asking, who was the cop? Who was the cop? What mm -hmm. name the cop? And they did, finally, after like seven or eight days. And when they did, they did it at the exact same moment that they dropped a uh, uh, video footage. of him taking some cigars yeah. from a store. Yeah, which, which very doesn't really bear at all. A petty no. theft does not come in at no. all on this charge. He did look like he was in the wrong. But it also, it. Like, it wasn't when he was stopped for it. He was stopped for jaywalking, correct? Exactly. Right, yeah, yeah. Because, because Darren Wilson, when he pulls up and stops him, for jaywalking, or as I like to call it in St. Louis, being black. Um, <laughs> when Darren, when Darren Wilson stopped him, he did not know about the thing. So the idea that we're going to release the name of the cop who killed this kid at the same time that we're going to tell you about a crime that wasn't even part of the story from right. the get-go was completely Trayvon Martin-esque, which is... Oh well, he was a black kid. Well, let's let's look. And they did the same thing with Michael Brown. Yeah. They were like, well, I'm sure we can find weed or something on his face, but yeah. look, he was a thug. He was a thug. And I think why why because that video changed everything. And then the narrative was he's a thug. And I think why it was so successful is because it was moments before the confrontation, mm -hmm. and it paints him as a violent person because he did do it. He did grab that guy by the neck, and so it makes people go, oh well, look, he's violent all the time. Right. And that's not necessarily the case. Right. Was that a bad thing? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. But doesn't mean she gets killed over right. it. Right. Or that he's going to be violent in every single situation. No, that's not true. Right. Yeah. So, um, so obviously that happened, and then of course the the missteps, or at least on my side, our side of the argument, the the fact that it was a grand jury that decided not to convict, and nothing was ever Never done, and no, yeah. nothing was ever done in well, well. <laughs> Be careful because Bob Mueller might. Well, that's um, fine. Like, police officers don't get yeah, convicted. Yeah, there's a thing you where you massively there. mess up. But yeah, police officers. Yeah, and then situations and where there's no argument whether they, this guy killed the other guy. Like that's not the argument. Felina Castile is dead. Yeah, we watched it live. Right. And this and guy was off. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but I think the whole the whole closed door meeting thing and the whole or the whole like behind the scenes and then deciding not to convict and then only after the fact after three months of of closed door behind the scenes, we know this cop's probably going to get off. He then does get off, and then he gets his side of the story, which was like, "Oh, I got beat up, and yeah, was like we call yeah, it as well, whatever. Like, he's going to get off. That's no convenient. That three months after the fact, you get to tell your story after your. Like you never have to testify; you just get to right. tell after it's a, a, a well-coached story. It's exactly right. yeah. You take months and months to coach it through. So, which also that weird when the body being left on the pavement for four hours. Did not not reek of them like freaking out of like how are we yeah. going to spin this? Well, into the first something? they could have done well, anything. They could have uh, if, you know, scratched him or something. Well, like, they could have Baltimore PD him. You know, with well, drops. You know, you were he called his buddies first. He didn't call the ambulance. He didn't follow procedure. You also remember the arguments that we were having as it was happening live because we had all of the. 
at the time, especially here in St. Louis, like we had a lot of police audio. Like we yeah. hear a lot, we knew a lot of the timeline. And the, the the thing, as far as that goes, Frank, with the laying on the bot or the body laying on the ground for X amount of hours, the first call that was made after Michael Brown got shot was to seal off the neighborhood with exactly. SWAT-style SWAT tactics. That's not normal. No. That, to me, indicates that you did something wrong. And you, you realize it's going to be a massive blowout. <laughs> right. Like, the, the idea that an ambulance, if Darren Wilson was, in fact, attacked, then an ambulance should have been called for himself. If he was, and an ambulance should have been called for Michael Brown, because mm. clearly he's bleeding out here. Um, well, I think that they, they can get a little bit dangerous coming to conclusions based off that, because people can be attacked and not be injured. Someone can be coming at him and he doesn't get hurt, and you say, "Well, he attacked me." Well, well, yeah, but then it. you should still the ambulance yeah. is for the guy you just shot. Exactly. Like, so regardless. it looks shady, but we still, I think that you know, right? It looks like that. Yeah, but we, we also we also saw how apartheid then played out over three months <laughs> in St. Louis, where yeah. white riot police stood outside of black neighborhoods and told them to go back in their houses. Right. That's not America. Um, you know, so and then and then again, that brings us back to this whole idea that obviously we know the the story of Ferguson, and um, but but through that, which really started a lot, like Ferguson was the real, the first really big, like okay, we're tired of seeing dead black right. kids in the street, and like now Black Lives Matter was born here. Right, um, I think it's important to understand why there's that sentiment. I know a little bit more because I am Mexican. I don't look it, but I am, and I have dealt with cops where, per, me personally, I don't feel safe when I see them. I want them to go away, I don't want them to, I want them to leave me alone, and it's that, well, why are people thinking that? And it's because they have these experiences. Right. And so then the, the argument was, <laughs> this is nothing, no, nothing out of the uh, ordinary when it comes to how they responded and uh, wasn't getting off. Right. But what, where is this all coming from? So I've actually got some numbers here that we can go through and show this is where both sides kind of get their thing. Okay. So when it comes to social media, you constantly see arguments where you have the people who are pro-cop, you know, and they got their narrative that, well, whites get killed more than, than blacks. And you usually hear three times cops get, or whites get killed three times as much as blacks, so there can't be any racism. And then the other side says, no, well, uh, blacks are getting killed way more than, than whites, so it is racism. So I thought we'd actually go through the actual numbers and see what it is. So let me drink my water here. All right, first I'm just going to give you guys the population breakdown. So the U.S. population as of 2016 is uh, 323.1 million people. Race breakdown is 61.3% whites, obviously the clear majority. Blacks are 13.3%, Hispanics are 17.8%, Asian 5.7%, and 1.3% native. And then there's like, you know, 0.6% other. So... Police shootings which resulted in deaths in 2016 were 963. Of these, there was 465 that were white and 233 that were black. Then 160 Hispanic, 42 other, and 63 unknown. So I actually, for my numbers, I subtract the 63 unknown because I feel like that could go either way. Right. So I just want to focus on the white and black aspect of it. So that's 900 deaths that we're accounting for, for police shootings. Uh, just some fun facts that I thought were interesting. Most were middle-aged. Um, 23 to 40, and then let's see here, 22 were white, 
Oh, yeah. 40, uh, 48 of them were unarmed, and 44 had toy weapons. So I thought that was just kind of interesting. That, uh-huh. You know, <laughs> toy weapons through. and all that. Yeah. <laughs> what if that's police assistant suicide, people who want to die? Right. We saw a few of those where it was like little kid, you know, playing with a BB gun. Yeah, and, something, get, and then they just, within right. three seconds of showing up, shot him dead. It's like, dude. So, let's figure out exactly what percentage by the numbers are are killed. So what we're going to do is we're going to take 465, which is the number of whites that were killed, and we're going to divide it by nine or 900, which was the total deaths. Just 0. 0.51. 0. 0.51. So if you multiply. 500, you're going to get about 51.6% of people killed were white. So then we're going to take the number of blacks that were killed, which was 233, and divide that by 900. Which is uh, 0.258. Right. 2.26. Multiply by 100, so about 25%. So whenever people say that more whites are killed than blacks, they are right. It is about two times as many whites that are killed by black or than blacks. At least in 2016, which is the most recent year that we have the data on. But the big thing that they typically miss is that you have to adjust for population. Right. There's obviously, what, 60, 61.3% are white. To Versus how many percent? Yeah, that's, you know, <laughs> like over triple. Right. But so, again, there's a, a big, obviously, majority of whites than blacks, but how many are getting killed? So then what we're going to do is we're going to take the... Number of killed divided by the actual population. So let's start with whites. Oh, I'm sorry, no, let's start with blacks. So, where are we at? 233. And we're Did gonna... you just implement, like, affirmative action? <laughs> we're like we'll that. do them first. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to take 233 and divide it by the population of uh, blacks in America, which is 42,975,000. And then we're going to multiply that by 100. And we're going to get a tiny little fraction. Uh, 0.000055? Yep. And so, yeah, so then we, when we multiply it, we're going to get uh, 0.00054 if I round up. You know, yeah. Or we're round a little bit. So now we're going to take the population that were killed of whites by the actual white population, which is vastly higher. So we're looking at 465, and we're going to divide that by... 198 million, 177,165 people. And then multiply that by 100. By 100, so we get 0.00023. Right. 234. So now what we're going to do is we're going to take the number of blacks population that was killed, which is very small, and then multi- or divide that by the population of whites that were killed, which is also very small. So we're going to do 0.00054 divided by point zero 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 two three. Uh, 2.34. Right, so it's a 2.3 to 1 ratio. So it, it, by the numbers, you are actually twice as likely to be killed if you are black. In result, resulted, this is confirmed, these are the deaths that have happened, mm-hmm. than if you were white. So that's where they are coming from. They're saying, look, we are a tiny fraction of the population, 13.8% or 13.3%, and yet we're, we're suffering the majority times. of... Right. Yeah, and these numbers have actually gotten better since 2015, where the yeah. numbers were almost three times as likely right. to be killed if you were if you were uh, black. So there's arguments on both sides, but then you got to get to the to why did it happen? Is it actual racism that's behind this, 
or is there more to it? And that's where the kind of unknown well, happens. Well, yeah, that's where the unknown happens. But and that's where the sentiment's coming from, is this, mm -hmm. why is this? And it seems like people just aren't willing to look into why it's happening. Mm -hmm. They just say, oh, well, you know, they're, they're obviously they're doing more crime. Well, there have been studies, and I remember reading one where they would um, give white and black participants, like, weapons, and then a, a target would pop up, and you have to decide as quickly as possible yeah. how quickly to shoot them. And they found that whether you were white or black, you were more likely, or you were quicker to pull the trigger on a black suspect because right. you thought of him as more of a danger. They don't know why. Like, they don't know if this is because the media portrays them I, as honestly, the enemy. I honestly, or if it's just coming from home. Or yeah, yeah. Like, I think it's we don't know. But there is something inherent racism. But I do think that's the answer. Like I think that it's inherent racism, and we've been primed for it. Like yeah. it was, we came racism over here. Does exist. We came over here two hundred years ago, right? Escaping persecution, and then we brought other people over here, and we didn't give them any rights. And then when they got their rights. We got pissed about it, and we, or maybe not necessarily pissed. I don't think everybody got pissed about it, but what they did was they uh, they had to adjust to it. And there are some things that people don't want to adjust to, right. so they get so they're more irked by the new situation. And then you have you know because this whole thing is with this inherent racism and that topic itself kind of goes to this idea of like. We talk about when we talk about it. We talk about white flight a lot, right? Mm -hmm. So, you, so somebody could say, well, statistically, when black people take over a neighborhood, the property value goes down in these areas, like true. in these G. Well, yeah, because the white people that Don't left took yeah. the money. They they, they often right. frame it in a way that suggests that black people are lesser or that they right. inherently right. cause it, this. That's, it's basically well, it's yeah. basically that you've taken the legs out from under the table, right? right? And now you're saying, well, why doesn't that table hold this stuff up? Well, you <laughs> took the legs out from <laughs> right. under it. You don't want to do it, right? So yeah, and I totally get that. But again, when it comes to crime. Like that's another thing that they bring up constantly. Is they say, oh, well, cops are shooting them more because it's in these urban areas and there's more, there's a higher black ratio in that aspect of it, population-wise, and they're, and they're doing more crime. And so that's yeah, what but they I don't, want. Here's where I, here's where I have, have trouble with it. People that are listening from not the St. Louis area are not going to know what I'm refer, where I'm referring to here, but Troy, Missouri, right? I'm about to shit on you, so <laughs> just be prepared. Brace yourselves. Um, Troy, Missouri is basically Methville, right? Like, <laughs> sorry guys, you have a Walmart right. and a bunch of needles and shit. Um, so, what? Troy has a pro and like it's not it's not that I'm picking on Troy. It's right. that we've seen statistics. Oh, uh, I'm glad uh, you picked Troy because my personal belief it used to be that poverty caused crime. So I thought that anywhere you're going to go and look and you see poverty, you're going to see crime. That's just regardless of race, regardless of anything. In every nation, that's what you see. And I stuck to that for a really long time. And then I, I found some new information, which goes a little bit step farther, and it says it's really, it's um, relative crime, or relative poverty. So if you have a bunch of poor people that are all poor and they're all in the same place, there's not a lot of crime because they're all in the same boat. But when you start seeing big cities where you have very, very poor next to very, very rich, then you see the crime rates start going up. It actually kind of makes... And Troy is a perfect example because if you go down to Troy, there is a piece of shit little house that's falling apart next to a mansion, next to a trailer. Like, there's no rhyme or reason to that place. Yeah. So you probably are going to see crime go up a bit more I mean, because there's just... But what you don't see is you don't see the number of police, police involved yeah. killings. And then, then you can look directly into, well, what is the population ratio? Right. In this specific... We, we know what, what it is now in America, but what is it specifically in these cities? Mm -hmm. And what we tend to see is a very white police force, a very high black uh, population, and then it equals higher deaths. Right. Yeah. 
Right. Well, and, the, and that's and, and, right. And Troy is a good example where you would see a white police force. With you see white a white police with a high white population and less deaths. Still crime, but less deaths. Yeah. So I, you know. Now again, there is popular. We have to it's just man. I wish I had the soundboard. It's just facts. It's just, just facts. facts. Now we do um, also. I mean, a little unfair because there is a population ratio to it. So if there's one death in Troy and their population is so much lower, right? Than yeah, the city, no, that's you, absolutely. And fair. we're not doing yeah. that right now, right? So. Yeah, if you're looking at you, can, that yes, that is a very very good point. Right. It's apples and oranges because if you're looking at a population of eight or nine or ten thousand versus <laughs> and I a punch population, you in the face. it's like oh my god, uh, but what is the people getting punched what's in the say face? Lewis's population does it break a million? Oh man, it's it's it's. Populous. I don't know what the actual right. number is. But. So you know that, I, that's absolutely true. I think for more people, though, the argument doesn't argument doesn't come down to numbers and statistics. It's more about what you feel is going on. Like right. you mentioned, not feeling safe with cops. I don't. When we were talking about jaywalking. I live in the city. I jaywalk in front of a cop the other day. I do it all the time. I've never once been stopped because I look like the ultimate nerd. I don't think like anybody can get up to trouble. Right. And there, I think they're inherently yeah. like, cops are taught to trust their gut instinct. I think yeah. that goes sometimes the wrong way. Exactly. Where they, they think, and it's also, you know, the media, you watch enough late night crime shows, the bad guy is always these, you know, gangsters, the, you know, it's right. always black and Mexican, you know. Well, There's and a stereotype that well, the media it's perpetuated too by our entertainment. Like, if you look at shows like Cops, which mm-hmm. is actually a reality show, where, right. where, so where, say. where reality slash <laughs> fantasy, and what people don't realize too on that, on as a comment on, on that, is that like the majority of cases on cops get dropped because the cops were like overstepping their bound, right. which they we see on every there. episode of Cops. Like yeah, that exactly. guy's a dick. Um, <laughs> so you know, but but the, it's perpetuated because where does cops go? Cops only goes into East St. Louis. They only go into East Philadelphia. Yeah. They only go into the you know these think, shitty towns yeah. where there is a lot of crime. And and I'm not saying the cops shouldn't be in crime-ridden spots. I'm saying that, the, to, that there's a perception because that's what we see. I'm not big into diversity for diversity's sake. I don't like that argument. This is one where I think it makes absolute sense. <laughs> <laughs> no diversity of thought. But no, like I think this is one where it makes sense because we all have that inherent uh, feeling if if we're outnumbered, and so we should have if and I think that plays into it. How much it plays into it, I don't know. But if you're a white cop and you're surrounded by a different ethnic race, people do inherently feel more on the defensive. Same with anything. If you go to a place and you don't know the language, what are they saying? Are they talking about me? They do all that stuff. Yeah. So the people paranoiac. Well, so it's well a then I guess the, the answer would be a more police outreach and like police outreach and where, and where the, the the community knows their police. That, and those. then you have to work also on the the wealth despair if that is true, which yeah. it does seem to be that I always thought poverty and crime, but if the disparity disparity is really yeah, the problem, it, it looks like the numbers that's going to have to yeah. be addressed because that is going to be a contributing factor. Yeah. Now I'm a capitalist. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, that is interesting. I, I like the it. idea that it's long, you know it doesn't matter how poor you are. If everyone's equally poor, you get along. You have nothing to fight. steal. You know, it's just like all right, well that's fine. Right. Yeah, it is when you see your neighbor can afford a pool and you can't you know, afford the answer, it. Right. And then you keep up with the Joneses and yeah, you know, and the, the answer is steal from them. The answer is redistribution. Well, like, eat, the rich. Obama, <laughs> eat the rich. I've been saying it forever. Ninety nine percent tax rate. This will work. <laughs> but no, I mean, I just think I think that that I think that. So there's more than one. My point, I guess, is that there's more than one factor that we gotta look at. There's right. things that we can do immediately to try to to help out. I think that the numbers show that it's trending in the right way. It seems like since Ferguson has gotten better, if the if that number from 2015, the 3.49, is correct, yeah. and it's gotten down to 2.3. Yeah. But it is also too. Um, 
Well, so I guess, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but if they have a national spotlight, I think they're yeah. forced to kind of clean up the racks when you're looking at cameras. Exactly. Keep in mind, too, though, when you're looking at 2015 numbers, that is the year after Ferguson happened. Exactly. So those are going, those numbers are going to be included. And that's the, violent, the, 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 fi- the violence, no, but I'm saying that if you're looking at 2000, if you're, because the stats would be from year to year, right? right. So if you're looking at 14 to 15, Ferguson's going to fall in there, yeah. like the actual riot. It was much higher, right? Yeah. So you know that's it, why. And do we have these numbers consistently so, for other right. years? So yeah. it may be trending, or it may have just been inflated because of the fact that this is what was going on at the yeah. time. We'll have to see over the next couple of years where it is trending, and of course we're we're looking at. We're, we're comparing two things here where we're looking at national numbers but then we're trying to make the comparison to a single individual s- city and city. most of the time in an individual police force right. and say what are their numbers what are they doing right. and, and, and there was a lot of breakdown about Ferguson about what percentage of them are minorities versus yeah. the percentage of the general population of the town and it was a huge it was like 76% right. white yeah. for a yeah. predominantly black so part of the I think, I think to sum the whole thing up though like that Cops need more accountability. Yeah, right. Someone's the, the police. And, and I also <laughs> I think, know that the, the police police the police. I just think <laughs> right. I just think the the whole idea that this is just this is just inflated by uh, a manufactured media narrative isn't it's, it, no. it's not true. You can yeah. look at the numbers and you can see that like yes, you can make an argument that it may be trending uh, the yeah. right way. Again, I say wait a few years and let's see where it's really right. at. But. It, but to say that this is all just made up by the left because they have the, it's, right. it's not. No, now, there's a reason it, why people feel. I way. would think it's fair to say and we can get into this another time because this, this will go on forever. And we already kind of <laughs> we already kind of touched it in the last segment, honestly. But yeah, like, we're at the, there's a, yeah. a there's a point to be made that like what started here with Black Lives Matter has gone on to overreach. Oh, yeah. On their on what their cause is. I understand but where Black Lives Matter came from. That I just think said. that their idea of looting and blocking highways wasn't the best way to go right. about yeah, their message. I do find it ironic that we had this outbreak in Charlottesville. Charlottesville. The, the week <laughs> that the three-year anniversary of exactly. Ferguson is taking place at least clearly isn't going away. No. Right. But I, I do think in the in the same respect, it's just it's not fair to say that or to have... It's fair to have both thoughts that, like, Black Lives Matter and you know some of these damn, oh, some, you're some of these liberal fringe groups are they are overreaching, but your disdain for that overreach shouldn't blind you to the and, and make you yeah, exactly. think that this is that this is just a manufactured story because it's not. There's right. numbers. There's evidence. Right. So I and think the same goes to the the liberal saying that all Donald Trump people are Nazis because you know can't just ignore. Things well, that's debatable. FBI agents descended on Paul Manafort's Alexandria, Virginia apartment in an unannounced pre-dawn raid late last month, according to the Washington Post. It unfolded in the early morning hours July 26th with agents seizing financial and tax records, among other documents. The raid appears to be unusual since Manafort has repeatedly claimed he is cooperating and it marks a significant step in special counsel Robert Mueller's Russia investigation. The FBI agents working for special counsel Mueller believe that he's hiding something and that they conducted their search in the early morning as is normal for them so that the individual whose residence it is has no opportunity to destroy or otherwise tamper with the evidence that they seek.
All right. So obviously, um, I I think the last story obviously we'll get into based on that is the Paul Manafort thing. Yep. Um, he his house got raided uh, a couple weeks ago. Well, Paul Manafort was. Was it a couple weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah. It actually. Oh, was. it happened. Yeah, like in July. It was in July. Yeah. Um, to let everyone know, Paul Manafort was a campaign manager for Trump, Donald Trump. One of the campaign managers for like during it, it was because Lewandowski was first, right? Was first. It, it was, was Paul brief, Manafort, then it was Kelly and Kelly. Yeah, right. they had a turnover rate pretty high. It was only second, like three weeks or three months. It was three yeah, months. three months. And the second that they said Russia, he was gone. Uh, <laughs> so, so well, they tried to tie him to a Russian bank or something, and from that report, he was gone. Yeah, yeah. Just like zoop. so, we'll see. Which seems like credibility to him being worried about that <laughs> right so anyway i've got an article here um we'll go into real quick because uh, it is npr um it is uh but it, it not going to say anything we both argument over that but we'll, we'll get into this right down and then we'll discuss so right on. um mueller turns up the heat with unusual search warrant in russia probe Federal prosecutors have lots of ways to intensify pressure on the people they're investigating. From early morning FBI raids to leaning on relatives of those under government scrutiny. But even by those measures, the special counsel investigating Russian interference in last year's presidential election is moving with unusual speed and assertiveness, according to half a dozen legal experts following the probe. Um, Consider disclosures that the FBI, that FBI agents executed a search warrant last month for business and tax records at the suburban Virginia home of former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort. That step would have required them to prove to a judge that there's probable cause a crime has been committed. Kenneth Starr, the Whitewater Independent Counsel, frequently criticized for alleged overreach by then-President Bill Clinton, mm -hmm. never utilized search warrants. Two members of the team two members of the team told NBR. Neither did special counsel investigating the leak of a CIA operative's identity in the George W. Bush administration. Um, a Washington attorney said, okay, a search warrant in a case like this is highly unusual. Lawyers said the special counsel may have been motivated to use search warrant over concerns that evidence might be concealed or destroyed, which Never seen that before. Which sometimes <laughs> happens in terrorism and drug trafficking cases. Um, or they said Mueller may have been moving quickly amid a series of external threats. Basically, him being fired. Um, right. In recent weeks, President Trump has blasted the Russian investigation as a witch hunt and flirted with the idea of firing Justice Department leaders as a roundabout way of getting rid of Mueller himself. Talking with reporters Thursday, the president said that he was very surprised by the FBI raid at Manafort's home and said that it sent a strong signal. Trump also said that the White House is cooperating with the special counsel probe, even though he said the subjects under the investigation never happened. In any case, the Justice Department frequently deploys tough tactics with a larger goal in mind, securing the cooperation of insiders who can guide authorities through a complex investigation. I call it climbing the ladder, Jeffrey said. It happens in every corporate investigation, where investigators question clerks and assistants and then move up to vice presidents and higher le level executives. Um, give you immunity. Right, which I think is what Michael Pl Michael Flynn was trying to do. Yeah, no, um, buddy, you're the guy we want. <laughs> I don't think he is, not giving you I would not I, be surprised if later on Michael Flynn does get immunity, if there's more to tell. 
I, yeah, and I'm coming from that there's nothing to the Russia thing. They're just going to get these guys. I think Michael Flynn himself did something shady. I think Paul Manafort himself did something shady. And so they'll get those guys. And that's very, yeah, that's very that's possible. Likely, yeah. Um, and basically, I don't trust Michael Flynn. Basically, <laughs> oh, the, I, said, I don't trust any of them. Basically, yeah. the rest of the article, which I'm not going to read five minutes of an article that says, basically what? takes the long road to saying what we just said. Like, there's, <laughs> there's obviously been questions about Michael Flynn. There's been questions about... Paul Manafort, Carter right. Page, which is a name that floods around from time to time. Um, so, what does this mean? Like, what does what does it mean that the, the interesting the interesting thing to me about the timing of it was that you know a few weeks ago I had talked about how um, Manafort, Kushner, Trump Jr. were all scheduled to have open hearings about the Trump Tower meeting, right. which in the same week got changed to closed door hearings and they ne they never released a date for Manafort and Kushner to testify. Kushner then did testify. Right. Um, but Manafort's testimony came the day before, so they raided his house at like 2 in the morning. 12 hours before that he testified in a closed door hearing right. to Congress. So I so wonder. Do they so spook him? Do they say something that? There's, right. There's two things that I wonder here. The, one is yes. Did they? Did they spook him? Did, or did he, he spook them? Did he say something that made them? Did he play the fifth the whole time and they were like, "Fuck that." Right. Yeah. <laughs> or it could. It could be, on the flip side, on the on the this isn't a huge thing side. It could just simply be that. Bob Mueller understands that there a congressional investigation is also ongoing. Mm -hmm. So if they've already talked to Congress, then Bob Mueller can come in after the fact and be like, well, now I'm going to, like, this is a separate investigation. Right. That way yeah. you're not harming the invest the other investigation that's going yeah. on. This so could be just completely tactics. Like, this could be it could, tactics. I personally just it could be something it, yeah. he said during the closed-door yeah. hearing, too, right. that will learn that. That's the thing, know. Yeah. Like, well, it, and they said that when they came in, they took, like, what, 2,500 or 25. I think it was 2,500, it might have been 1,000 documents. I don't yeah. think it's 1,000. Like, well, they Which, said it was wide-ranging, and the, the actual warrant itself typically is, you have a warrant to come in and seize this hard drive. You have a warrant to come in and seize these documents. The warrant that they got basically was just like, yeah, it's you free game. take anything that Go you think might it. be relevant. That shades now, me out. That makes me the think thing, that it's... Though, that trying to catch <laughs> him. Trying to catch him do something. The thing, though, that... Uh, what's his name? Rosenstein came out and said over the week was he basically told the special counsel that you're only allowed to investigate things that involve this Russia thing. So if you wanted anything else, like tax records or like whatever, mm -hmm. you would have to come to Rosenstein, request that, and argue a case for why you need that. Right. And then he would make that decision. To me, that feels like uh, a, like a net for Trump. A little bit. No, because Rosenstein yeah. hates Trump. Does he? He's been pretty, like, whenever He's the whole there. thing happened with Comey, he was, like, they had that interview where he got all pissed off and was like, they asked him something like, do you have any reason why you think Mueller should be fired? And he was going to, and he, like, hesitated and was like, no, there is no reason, and he was pissed. Like, so, no, I don't trust this guy who doesn't like Trump. Of course he hates Trump. Uh, His boss got fired. Does anybody him. really like Trump? People play nice with him. I don't know, know if he is really well, good. he's not tweeting friends. about me yet. So. <laughs> yeah, right. he, oh, he, he did, did tweet at Mitch. Yeah. He tweets at me. Hey, fuck this guy. Hey, hey fuck you, buddy. <laughs> he said, Mitch, get back to work and pass health care. Yeah, I think <laughs> it was right around the time we were lunch, too. So. He did, damn. Um, but, so, yeah, so... so to me, it seems like it's just they're casting a wide net, and they want they want to take these guys down. They want something. 
That's what I personally think. And like I said, I gave Mueller and them a lot of, of when it first came out, I was like, yeah, this guy seems bipartisan and everything. Uh, we're not living in an age of bipartisanship. Whenever you've got Comey being the leaker and him having close ties to everyone else in this investigation, He's not leaking and now they're doing vital, things that are unusual and they're casting a wide net. It's like you said, where they say, oh, we had reports that you were kicking a cat in the nuts to death or something. <laughs> And then they show up and they're like, oh. never ever claiming that. That's not right. Something horrible. And they show up. It's totally false. They show up and they go, okay, well, now we found this, this, and this in your house. We'll just charge you on that. Right. That's what it seems like. I get it. It is. I mean, I will ultimately have to wait and see if, A, he's charged with something and it be what it is. Yeah. To see if it's a technicality, then I'm not going to be on board with it. It's not. Again, you can't pick and choose which laws that you follow. I just for Bill Clinton. I was like, no, I don't give a shit. I don't care that that's I care about the perjury because, I mean, that is a law that you should. Yeah, like, I still if, if he would have just admitted it, I'd been like, oh, yeah, yeah you did right. nothing wrong. I still don't want to see him impeached over it. I, in yeah. the end, he, so he, he, he had a 60% yeah. approval so rating even at that point. If you get to pick and choose laws like you do on the last two episodes. Everyone does. Um, they, uh, pass laws then, so laws. Here's, a, here's a law I'm that, sure that I'm going <laughs> to pick and choose to change. Electoral right. college, outdated. We don't need it. Totally not outdated. Absolutely need it. There you go. Well, yeah, if you want to have a party. No, just absolutely. look at the country. The whole country's red, and then you've got these little slivers of blue on the coast from the cities. That's the argument is that we don't want these cities basically making the rules for the rest right. of the country. Right, what the I'm the saying is, is that if the Senate rules need to change to a simple majority, then so do the voting rules, simple majority. I, I, I don't, I disagree. There's a reason why these are in places. So that they right, there's a the, reason the why they can't roll But you, when you get to is a point where, I think I agree with Brandon, where you get to a point where the people in Ohio's vote seems to be more critical than mine in Missouri. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you look at the ratio aspect, then yes, it right. is. Right, you also again, get to a point where if, you know, you're saying these rules are put in place, for so that you have to have right. some kind of consensus. Well, that's what a two-thirds majority is for yep. as well. So <laughs> if you want to make these comparisons, yeah. so like we get to pick and choose which rules we're changing, that's my rule I'm changing. Right. Get rid of the Republican well, Party go and the, the Electoral College. Yeah, you have to go through the process that's what of changing you do. it. If you, but if, I don't think that'll ever happen because, like I said, people, I think people need to have Because Republicans need a party. No, not just that, but they, they need a voice. And like I said, when it comes to the majority ruling over just everybody, we don't want to see that, especially for wide things. What I think Democrats need to do is become a little bit more Republican and start giving local governments more power, and then you can just go okay, yourself. So here's you the can have all the things you want to do, California, and you, you don't have to do so much. Here's Montana. the interesting thing. You just said Democrats need to change, but Democrats have the population majority mm -hmm. of voters. So if you, well, so maybe, maybe it should be the responsibility of Republicans yeah. to entice more people to be on their side, well, obviously, thusly that's both, not yeah. needing the Electoral College to win elections that's obviously anymore. Obviously for, for both sides. But no, the, the argument against the, for the Electoral College isn't red versus blue. It's for a majority of the of the geography of the country I governed by a, a very, very small uh, government, you know, geographic right, location. Right, I get it, but That's again... That's the argument. And it can easily switch and flip, and I don't think it will, but it could have been the other way. Right. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, so that, that's, what, ah, that's what we're saying. <laughs> right. But I'm saying, because Mitch's theory of politics is I get to pick and choose which laws I no, want. No, personally, <laughs> For me, that doesn't benefit me. <laughs> so I'm picking and choosing to leave that one. Right. Um, no, I'm personally not... I, I wasn't upset when Bill Clinton did his thing. I understand that he broke the law. I get it. I, mean, I don't give a shit. Get so off the rails from Maine to Florida. Yeah. <laughs> we do this every week. Yeah, we like, always get off the rails. We're like, we gotta, we gotta round this. Right. We have these internal art or these. Yeah. I, I understand arguments. your point. I do understand that point. They illegally gather evidence of a crime that is 
Right. You know, like, I would be against that but, if it happened to a black like person. I, but exactly. the, the thing is, I'm going to wait and see what he's charged with because well, like it might I be said, very, something very relevant. relevant. Yeah, then, okay. Like I said last week, if, in the example I used when I said it, was like, if the police show up for a gun and they find cocaine, right. the cocaine is a big enough charge to look at that and be right. like, okay, yeah. here you go. Well, that's a specific now, thing. If, if they, the police show up to look for a for a gun and they find an unpaid parking ticket, right? you shouldn't get well, arrested for that. In the Manafort example, illegal, but if but they show up... It, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah, if they show up looking for Russia connections, go through his taxes and realize that he has unrelated tax charges, they're going to charge yeah. him with it. That was, yeah. they was, but they, they found should. It, you know, I'm fine with that. Yeah, my my yeah. worry is that they're going to try to use a technicality to impeach Donald Trump. I don't think you have to worry about that. That's what I don't that. like. They, really, they spam the impeachment button every chance they get. They're like, I, I impeach him. They I, do, honestly, but I think you heard the same thing with Obama. <laughs> I heard the same thing with Obama a million times. Yeah, and those are all just the nutters that didn't have power. And that's the entire Democratic Party. It's like, no, absolutely not. You still have to show me evidence. I don't like the guy, but I still have to see evidence before I'm willing to impeach him. You're absolutely generalizing liberals. Well, I don't think liberals would have a problem with him being impeached. Oh, no, I wouldn't have a problem with him. No, I don't think they would. But I don't think conservatives would have had a problem. Problem with Obama being no, impeached. We're not just speaking about the Tea Party. I don't <laughs> think I don't think that the Marco Rubios would have been upset right. about that. No, no, so, no. Um, you know, like I, but no, I think you generalize liberals a little bit too much <laughs> on a weekly basis. I think and I think that they are more consolidated in hatred for Donald Trump. Than the, the opposition is always easier than yeah. Actually but the Tea Party was a, a smaller sector, a sector of it. Like they were because trying they're to actively fucking dumb. Yeah, yeah. And well, they I were the ones that were like, he's not from here, Donald Trump. Oh, you, <laughs> you have to admit though that Donald Trump is an easy target because he just continually thinks makes things worse for himself. Like he, he does make no, his own problems. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he, he shits on the floor and then he steps in his own yeah. shit. Yeah. That's true, but again, he's also cleaning up other people's shit, and they don't focus on that part. No, I think, what he, I think what he's doing is he's so worried about cleaning up other people's shit, namely overturning <laughs> the entire Obama <laughs> eight <laughs> years, that he... I, I've well, heard they're actively reports. working against him. I have heard reports, which... Whatever you know, I don't know who they are. Sources. I don't know. Is that Damon Nunes again? I just just because I'm not a journalist and I don't know who the source was doesn't mean like I don't remember anonymous sources being attached to the story. Right. But I heard something on NPR the other day um, when I was when I was at work about how there there are people aides to the president that when things that Obama put into policy. Um, have come up over the last six months. Like this needs to be renewed. Mm-hmm. He asks, like, well, who, whose initiative is this? Oh, it's Obama's. Get, get rid, rid of it. Well, you I've heard that too. If that's true, then you could be doing a lot of damage as well as yeah. doing good. Well, I disagree with a lot of what Obama did. So I I did to, you still need to look at it. Yeah, you do. Who <laughs> did it? Okay, let's reverse. Then it. he's doing what I have an issue with the left doing. Being like, well, everything Trump does is bad, and then he's doing the same thing. Everything Obama did was bad. Right. Yeah. And not everything that Obama did was bad. Yeah, um, not everything Obama, Obama Trump is not as bad. But I would say I would. Yeah. For me, the majority of it has been. For me, the majority bad, has been yeah. good. But the I think the majority isn't like, bad, personally. Yeah, and I just think that those things just don't get any attention because we're too busy talking about his tweet. and Because he steps in shit when he tweets. <laughs> so he that's what they focus on. Right. And, and, and he shouldn't because he should want yeah. to like and gives, highlight his... And then yeah. it gives conservatives this idea market. where they can be like, where, where they can be like, well, you haven't, you haven't shown me evidence. Well, yeah, the fucking story's not done. Like... <laughs> and, well, the narrative that's has changed. That's what you're saying well, Yeah, now. because your guy changed the narrative. Yeah, that's we what you're saying now. We weren't talking about... We talking about obstruction of justice until you, your guy made it, made yeah. us. Like, Again, I still think that that's a bullshit charge just because every time that one of those things happened, we, we don't like, know. 
we were like, we agree with the, the reasoning why he did it. But then they're just mad he did it. It's not against the law to do but it. He's we got have the power no, to do we it. Have no, he has a reason we have, for it. It's more of a question of, is, is it ethical for the president? Yeah. We have literally no legal reasoning to think one way or another on this entire thing. We have no reason on to the, believe... On the we result, have, we, we have no reason to believe that it's a witch hunt legally. I, and we have no yeah. reason to believe that it, that there that there's anything there legally. legally. Right. Right. So we're in the same boat no matter what side you fall on. And my argument has always been that it shouldn't be a partisan issue. We should all want to know. Because if, you, if something and nefarious did happen between Paul Manafort and the Russians, or between Kushner or Trump or Trump Jr., whatever, like, right. we should all be pissed about that. Right. And I'm totally, again, I'm totally for that. I always state that that's, that would be fine. My problem is, again, when it comes to accountability and being fair. And this is the same thing that we touched right, on so during the media coverage during the riot, is that they're hyper-focused on one, this is bad, ignore the rest. But the charge I don't is like what that. the charge is. You have to focus on the charge. Yeah. If it's a, if, if it's a big charge, yes. If it's a shit well, charge, well, the, the charge it, here is, is historic. You know, yeah, it's, right. it's conspiring with the enemy to bring an yeah. election, right? Which is very that, outlandish, and it might, you know, well, and it's not, and it's not conspiring because they didn't. They're not technically our enemy, and it's not time of war, so it's not. <laughs> they're not technically our enemy. I'm not our ally. I'm saying it's important because people keep saying treason and things like that, and it's not. They're, they're only not. Our well, enemy. treason can technically be any nation that's not ours. It's got to be during a time of war. Really, it's got to be during a time of war, and you have to help them. Then that's the the How many people have actually been... Like, there's only been a handful, though. It's not right. something that's brought yeah. up a lot. Um, yeah, so, I don't know. Yeah. I well, think we'll see. I, to me, when it comes to the Paul, uh, to wrap up the Paul Manafort thing, uh, I don't think... We'll see what they end up com coming with. But if they come back with a technicality and get him on it and then try to trump it up into something bigger, which I feel they're going I to think, do, though, that I'm all, not going to be I on I think board. all rational people... Are going to agree with that? Not a lot of rational people anymore. Yeah, I think that <laughs> that's you generalizing. I'm I think, saying, that's I think that I if, see online. If you come, yeah, but yeah, but rational people don't comment online. Everyone that's, comments online. That's why you. I see all of us see, doing it. Like, that's why you literally things. see comments that are like. I'm glad that dude ran over those people in <laughs> yeah. in Virginia. Right. And then the the reverse of that is like everybody's a racist and like there's it's only <laughs> the only people that are actually out there on in the comment sections are the people mm -hmm. that are just shit talking. So the, I see I more trolls than I see and people who hide behind these crazy hardcore yeah. stances that if you sat down and talk to somebody in like that same person in public no way would they take that position. They probably these, wouldn't. These people are and they trolls. Did, Facebook just changed the algorithm for their comments, so now you're definitely seeing trolls. It used to be uh, the I top... I just saw that. Yeah, the top ones used to be likes, so whatever the comment was that was most liked would be seen. Now it's the comment that's most commented on. So trolls are just saying outlandish things, and you're no. going to be like, oh, fuck you! <laughs> right, and that's is, what you're seeing. So you're going to see way more trolling now than actual sentiment. Right. But I still, I used it quite a bit during the election to get an idea of what people were actually thinking. Yeah, but I think there's an inherent, because the news organizations like to do that, where they're like, well, Twitter exploded. Well, like, that's like 100 people on yeah. Twitter. But you have to keep in How mind, much too, yeah. you have to keep in mind, too, that, like, Bernie Sanders, like, Bernie's a good example, right? Like, there was me sitting there going, look, I know that the movement is clearly behind this guy, but I don't like him. Like, I'm not that liberal. Like, I'm not, I'm not so, I'm not free college. Yeah, free, how I remember like, it is you didn't give him any time because you just said, I'm establishment, I don't want to deal with what he said. It wasn't that I was establishment, <laughs> it was that I didn't like his ideas. I don't yeah. think that free education is feasible or sustainable. No. I don't think Not in that, the way that he was proposing it. I do think we should have free 
uh, education for STEM classes and things that we need, but they come with price tags if you but I think, like I, that. you know, so I don't know. To me, I, it makes sense for an economy to fund what it needs. Yeah. That makes sense, but not to just We should have an invested interest in making our population smarter. Yeah. Making America, America great again. Yeah. What, what <laughs> so, that's right. Anyway, I think that's a good place to call it for the week. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're like two hours. Remember to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at TDAP2017. Um, yeah, that's right. That's what it is. That is. Uh, <laughs> you can follow us. We're going to start getting these uh, videos back up on YouTube, I believe, here in the next few yeah, weeks. Yeah, we're going to try to. Um, I'd like to thank Frank again for, yeah, for jumping on, on this episode. We're, I think we're going to try to do a guest, one like probably a guest once a month, maybe yeah. every four episodes or something. Like We haven't totally figured out the, the logistics of that yet, so we'll, obviously we'll talk about that as it goes. Um, the episodes are... New episodes are available on iTunes and Google every Tuesday. If you're subscribed, you'll get those Monday nights. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, and we'll get to the alternative fact here in a minute. I don't know. I think we're going to go back to the whole story, uh, or I'm sorry, the Saturday thing after this week. This, yep. this one for the live <laughs> segments on Facebook, of course. We do those at noon Central Time. So if you're not listening from Missouri, adjust your time accordingly. That's right. Um, because I'm not going to do it for you. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I think I think that pretty much uh, does it. So I'm Frank Everhart. I'm Mitchell Hernandez. And I'm Brandon Condit. Thank you for joining us, everybody. I'm Kaylee McEnany, and that is The Real News.